Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I had a dream. We were sipping whiskey neat. Highest floor of the Bowery. And I was high enough. Somewhere along the lines, we stopped seeing eye to eye. You were staying out all night. And I had enough. No, I don't want to know where you've been or where you're going. But I know I won't be home. And you'll be on your own. Absolutely, Jack Daly Squad, no idea where Frank Morano might be. As you know, in addition to doing all the dare various shifts at the Mothership Connection, AM, PM, 24-7-365. Saturday morning, I was on from uh, 1 to 5. The question was, where was Frank Morano? Okay, he had a fever in his foot. That was the last report he had... Uh, Ebola, the flesh-eating virus. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. He wanted a day off. But now the sublime has turned into the ridiculous. We have no sense, no idea where Frank Morano might be. And I might uh, do the comparison to what it used to be like on the Today Show when they would say, where is Matt Lauer today? Probably perving some woman somewhere around the world. We know that's not Frank Morano. He's a Mama Luke. But people are coming up to me and they're saying, Curtis, where is Frank Morano? We haven't heard hide nor hair from him. And normally this guy is a prolific poster. You know, anything, Instagram, Facebook, he stopped at Denny's, he had the Grand Slam. He's got to let you know he had the sausages and the bacon with the pancakes, right? Like that's the only thing he uses socially networking for. Not a post. Nothing. Ugats, bupkis. And so I'm trying to figure out what is it that may have caused him to need a mental health series of days. You know, that's on the books now. It's not just having a fever in your foot. 
or Ebola, the flesh-eating virus. I mean, let's face it. You come with a doctor's note, you know, hey, come on, you're really stretching stretching our, our patients here. And you give a note that says, my doctor says I have Ebola, the flesh-eating virus. Go ahead, take the rest of the year off. Don't worry about it. No. So it's clearly not a medical issue. The fever in the foot must have just been a ruse to get off having to work Saturday morning. It's not Ebola, the flesh-eating virus, or he'd never be able to return to the Mothership Connection to all of you in his national syndicated program. But I believe it could be a mental health situation. According to everybody who was uh, in the office at the time of his departure, he was upset because he had bought tickets for next weekend's Saturday Night Live performance. Because he thought Selena Gomez would be there with her pals, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You know, because they're in that program, uh, that cable show, uh, I think it's Hulu, Only Murders in the Building. My wife, Nancy, loves that show. You know, she'll turn it on when I turn it off. I don't want to hear those two male yentas, right? Selena Gomez. But it's right near where we live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And I got to let you know, it's... It's really sad to know that Frank, after many months of trying to get Tulsi Gabbard, Congresswoman in white, to actually come on the air so that he could have a conversation with her. She did everything to avoid any kind of contact. A total rope-a-dope. In fact, I remember recently when the gubernatorial election was still on here in New York, he traveled all the way up to um, Orange County, Newburgh, the Camden by the Hudson River. He was going up and down Broadway looking for where Congressman Zeldin was because it was the day that Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard flew in to uh, the airport there in uh, Newburgh to make a personal appearance for Congressman Zeldin. And he was so crestfallen he couldn't, couldn't get an interview with Tulsi Gabbard. He'd gone all the way to Hawaii, remember, to Oahu. He hit every tiki bar. He was like falling down drunk, trying to get an interview with Tulsi Gabbard. No luck. So his new obsession, his uh, new love in his life, not in terms of platonic love or anything sexual, but the desire to have her in broadcast form was who you're listening to right now, Selena Gomez. And the only murders in the building um, cable show on Hulu is actually filmed a few blocks from where I and Nancy live. So we go down West 86th Street to Broadway to catch the one train, and they're all out there. You know, the whole crew, the roadies, you know, they got the street blocked off. And a lot of the fans are there, the sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys. They're sitting there in their beach chair, you know, in the old Altachachas. They're waiting for Steve Martin or Martin Short, you know, the male yentes. But the younger crowd is waiting naturally for Selena Gomez, including Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever, who should be deported out of here because originally she was his girlfriend, Tough Nuggies. And who's sitting there in a lawn chair? Frank Morano with a big sign. Please. Selena Gomez. Yeah, please. Can I interview you, Selena? Oh, my God, it's really sad, ladies and gentlemen, sitting there with uh, young Carmine, who just turned one years old, 50 pounds now, born at 
the birth rate of 15 pounds. He's now 50 pounds. The kid is bouncing on his knee, and he's waving frantically to Selena, going, please, Selena, would you do an interview with me? Strike one, Tulsi Gabbard. No luck. Strike two, Selena Gomez. And he thought in purchasing these tickets for next Saturday, Saturday Night Live show, that certainly Selena Gomez would be on the stage with Steve Martin, who's now had, what, 16 appearances, Martin Short, three appearances. So he bought $1,500 worth of tickets, a ticket for himself and a ticket for Rachel, assuming he'd be able to see Selena Gomez. Psych, she's not going to be there. Only these two male yentas. I got to believe that he's really suffered postpartum depression. I know that's Rachel and having a 15-pound kid, Carmine, who turns to be like 50 pounds at the age of one. Hey, you'd have postpartum depression too. I really think it's impacted Frank. Very much so. I'm concerned about Frank Morano. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But having to deal with his crew of misfits here is more problematic. Let's take Matt Blaze, board operator. I know, in fact, that name, it belies the fact that you're a fugitive from law and you have many aliases. I want you to look, uh, Matt, at a colleague of yours, guy down in uh, Georgia. He was very upset that... He was not in the county sheriff's Facebook page as being wanted, and I'm sure this beguiles you also. So what he did is when they released their most wanted list for November, this Gavone was uh, so offended that he actually sent them an email and said, how about me, through his personal Facebook account. And actually, Deputy Doodog, the sheriffs in Georgia, by the way, we will be talking uh, Herschel Walker later, Barack Obama, and yes, Reverend uh, Warlock. To me, he's Warlock, not Warnock. And the pending election on Tuesday. But uh, the Deputy Doodog sheriff there said in reply, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to correct what we left out. By the way, I have two warrants here for your arrest if you'd like to show up. So anytime you want to turn yourself in, Matt Blaze, feel free to do so because I got to tell you, I've been pounding away at HR. I know, in fact, you're the fugitive. I grew up watching the fugitive great series on TV, and I haven't seen anyone who fits the bill since I ran into you. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Or could it be he was so crestfallen from the fact that his hero, a person he admires, in fact, he's involved in a form of idolatry with him. William Shatner, a.k.a. Captain Kirk, was dissed and dismissed by George Takai, who said that William Shatner was the worst prima donna that he has ever seen. And every day he was on that Star Trek set, it was Captain Kirk and then everybody else. You think that might have impacted him? How many times has he interviewed Captain Kirk where he has deferred to him, where he has allowed Captain Kirk to come on and sing those awful songs, and he claims that he has it on repeat with his headphones, he listens to it over and over, and then forces little Carmine with his own little set of headphones 
to have to hear that. I'd rather be on Gitmo, stuck in a room with one of the few surviving members of Al-Qaeda in the aftermath of the attack on 9-11. I'd rather go through sleep deprivation with Yoko Ono screaming, ah! hour after hour. I'd rather be waterboarded by Dick Cheney than to have to listen to William Shatner sing, save it for the shower stalls. And then how many times has he had Jerry Springer? Likewise, the same thing. Jerry, 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 who now says that his show culturally impaired a new generation. Yeah, take the money and run, Jerry. And then he'll call up Frank Morano. Frank, I got a, a new album out. Can I come on and sing some songs? Oh, yeah, I got you on repeat, too. These guys are the two worst singers in the world. And everybody knows that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I see also that out in Mount Laredo, in the uh, hometown of Frank Morano in Staten Island, that uh, they are beginning once again to restore the handshakes during the Mass. You know, because of the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020, uh, there was no... No handshaking. So they've loosened the pandemic era, era protocols. And now I see that Frank Morano is wanting to go back to being a Catholic now. What the hell is wrong with this guy? He's so dysfunctional. He was birthed a Catholic. Then what did he become? A wannabe Catholic, right? A Presbyterian. No, no, excuse me. A uh, Church of England member. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh yeah. Wannabe Catholic. And then all of a sudden he said he wanted to be a Methodist, you know, like uh, Hillary Clinton and Bush 43. Then he claims he's a minister who can conduct marriages. I mean, this guy is really confused. He gives me religious vertical. And now he's wanting to revert back and get rebaptized into the Catholic faith. He should have just stayed an Anglican, Church of England. They want to be Catholics. They're Catholics like. Could it be that? 1-800-848-9222. Or many people have contacted me and said, look, you got to understand when Frank Morano had that segment last week in which he hypnotized his listeners and members of his staff, it so backfired, thinking that he could do what Howard Stern does. Do your own thing. Don't imitate somebody else. I, I vow this to all of you. I will take every one of the Frank Morano listeners from California to Texas to North Dakota to Toronto, Canada, yes, to Guelph, to Hamilton in Ontario. Love the Hamilton uh, Tiger Wildcats. And I will perform an exorcism on them in an upcoming show when once again I substitute for Frank Morano because I'm going to eat up his real estate and anybody else who decides to take a mental health day or take a vacation or whatever it is they do with their free time. And I'm telling you this, I will eat up your talk real estate time. But you got to admit that was like that hypnosis thing really didn't work. Because it turned off so many listeners, instead of hypnotizing them to listen for the first time or listen longer or listen perpetually every morning, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, to the worst side of the other side of midnight. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The last on the list of things and where I think he went, they have a new 
remake of the, um, actually, what was it aired at? A&E, I believe. Growing up, Gotti, you know, the three little jadrules, you couldn't understand what they said, so they had subtitles underneath. I never saw a program before that had subtitles other than uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Remember when they did a, an A&E show on him, a reality show? You couldn't understand what the hell that Brit was talking about. But these three little jadrules, what was it? Frank Gotti Agnello, John Gotti Agnello Jr., Carmine Gotti Agnello. Never trust anybody with three words, especially if one of the words is Gotti. And apparently Victoria Gotti, the mother, has now signed on a contract to do the grown-up Gotti boys on their way to prison, just like their father, too. Both fathers, I might add. Man, this is incredible. He's ex- Look at this, the press release from it. He's the executive producer? For what? He's down in Acapulco as executive producer? They figured it's really cheap there to film because, remember, recently you had a lot of Americans that were down there in their uh, beach chairs. They were drinking the, uh, what is it they were drinking? Mojitas? And uh, body parts were washing up from narco-terrorists, and they didn't even blink. Uh, didn't do much for tourism down there as the sharks were gnawing on the body parts right there, the great white ones. But I guess they got a deal. Cheap lease, cheap rent, cheap food, cheap mojitas. Could it be that Frank Morano is down there as executive producer of The Gotti Boys, Grown Up by A&E? Three little jadrules, hell-bent on going to prison, have now earned their, their stripes. And they will be soon assigned to federal correctional facilities. Sounds like an outstanding script. Let me introduce introduce you to somebody who called me in the wee hours of the morning on my mothership station, WABC, yesterday. You see, on the weekends, I do my own version of the best side of the other side of midnight without Frank Morano's crew. Thank God. Without uh, Matt Blaze, definitely a fugitive from law. Uh, without Ken, the uh, yeah, yeah, he he walks the runway. He's a fashionista. Three three snaps up there, Ken. Three snaps up, and I notice Frank. He seems to have an obsession with you. You know, I don't know if he thinks you're the next coming of RuPaul, Ron Paul, uh, or whatever Pauls exist out there. And man, he's got it. And then, of course, there's Alex, the nighttime producer. The biggest brown nose that I've ever known in radio, and I've been doing radio for 35 years. He's got his schnoz right up Frank Morano's tush. And when I say brown, I mean brown. 1-800-848-9222. Now, I want you to listen to this caller because he ratted out Frank Morano. He ate the Parmesan cheese, and I loved every second of it. I should have I known he would do this. I should have known he would sell me out. I should have known he's a modern-day version of Judas getting 30 pieces of silver. Let's go to Kenny. He was calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kenny. Hey, Curtis. Uh, we got to have a sit-down, man. I got a lot of questions I got to ask you. I'm watching this show called um, Gotti, Godfather, and Son. I'm watching this for the first time. You must have seen it before. They're talking crap about you. They, they got John Gotti out here, trying to, Jr., trying to make himself look like he's a victim. And they, they got a part after he gets a plea deal from um, doing, you know, doing some stuff with his father. 
and he's about to get out, then you get shot, the whole shot, shot incident, and he's talking about you saying, oh, this guy's, uh, uh, he, he's been known to fabricate stuff. And then they got Frank Morano on the show. Also, they have a clip of him saying, Curtis fabricates stuff, too. He's been known to fabricate. I'm like, wow, I got to call Curtis and, and talk about this and find whoa, out. Whoa, 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 hold on a second, Kenny. I'm serious. Frank Morano stabbed me in the back? I'm not stabbing you. I'm trying to find out what's going on No, no, on no, here. not you, not you, Kenny. You're the observer. You're the reporter. I appreciate this. You're the bird dog. But Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, stabbed me in the back in this TV program? You've never seen this? It's called Gotti, Godfather, and Son. It's oh, on right now. Let me, let me write that down. And what network is this? What network is this? Well, it's, it's called C-N-I, C-N-I. It's just the letter C and the ampersand and I. That, that's what it is. So it's called John Gotti. Look, there's no problem on YouTube or anything. Just do a Google for it. It's called Gotti, um, Godfather, and Son. Godfather and Son. I can't believe that. You've never seen this? No. No, and I'm you're not, the first one no, to bring I, it to I, my attention. They got a clip of Frank Morano talking crap about you. They must have just taken a clip from anywhere. But you say, oh, the courtesy fabricates the... Then they got Gotti talking crap about you. This guy, Gotti Jr., is trying to play like, oh, he left a life, or he's just a victim. He knew what he was doing, too. Now he's trying to play like, oh, I'm a victim of my father. This whole you got to watch this. But he's talking crap about you after you Well, well, you, you know, it's interesting... Um... Um, many people initially doubted that I had been shot five times with hollow-point bullets by the Gaudis or Gambinos, and many of them would call up and they'd they say, on the show too. Right, they'd say, oh, you were driving that cab that you jumped out of. I said, now, yeah. wait a second. I'm in the cab. Is anybody else in the cab? No, it's just you. So you mean to tell me I took a, I took a 38, shot myself five <laughs> times, Right in, you know, your your your, your private parts, right? Five times, yeah, yeah. bleeding out with hollow point bullets, and, and was driving the car, and then just jumped out the window, right? That's what Kobe said. They got Kobe, your friend. He was on there, and he, he he's standing up for you. Said, "Come on, so he's going to shoot himself," and that's what your boy. Oh, Kobe. oh wait, right, let me give him a standing ovation, Ron Kobe. Who's my music coming? He defends me, but not the mother Luke Frank Morano, Kenny. You gotta watch this. I'm telling you, man. Oh <laughs> I must have just taken a clip from anywhere. But God, <laughs> I can't believe this. Ron Kuby defends me. By the way, he stabbed me in the back in the trial. He testified against me. And Frank Morano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, he throws me under the bus. You gotta. It's called Gotti, Godfather and Son. Just do a Google on it. I'm like, what? They said this aired back in 2018. I'm just seeing it now. I'm like, what? I yeah, never heard you. Talk I never about. saw it. Wow. Yeah, you got to Google it. It's for real. And they got Gotti trying to play like, oh, he's such a victim. But then when he gets this plea deal and they run out to get out, you get shot. And he says, this guy is coming after me, Curtis. Oh, he's full of crap. And this guy, Gotti's fake. He's just trying to make himself look like he's a victim now. He knew what he was doing, too. Wow. This is this incredible, Kenny. Yeah, no, I understand him. I mean, that's the way he was born. That's in his DNA. I get it. But you got Frank Morano, Frank Morano. <laughs> wow. It, it, you know, he, he does that racket report now. You should see it. You go on WABCRadio.com when you get a chance, Kenny and the rest of you. WABCRadio.com. Now, uh, in real life, Frank is uh, a schmendrick. You know, he's got the pocket protector. He's got all, all right. the pens. He looks like a geek. 
a total right, right. geek, right? Then yeah. you look at the, the cover of the racket report. He's got the striped suit, the shiny, shiny striped suit, like he's a hitman for the Banano crime family or the Gattis, the Gambinos, his favorite. And this guy's a rat. I'm sorry. Frank Morano's a straight a rat. He's like, he's selling me out on the show. Yo, Avery, Avery, did you hear that? He ratted me out on TV. And it's like you got. It's like near the end of the um the end of the show. So it's probably like three quarters so of the way. So basically, Gotti Jr. has already buried me. Ron Kuby has uh, thrown me a lifeline, yeah, and then yeah. it's Frank Morano who puts the boot right in the back of my head. I couldn't believe it when I saw. I'm like, what, Frank Morano? I got to call Curtis and tell Oh hell yeah! Thank God! Thank God! That's why. Everybody has to listen all four hours, Monday through Friday, of Frank Morano, the worst side of the other side of midnight, and rat him out to me. <laughs> wow, he did this on the down low. Yeah, go watch it, man. It's called God, Godfather and Son. Do a Google. You know, you know, as my grandfather Fidel Bianchino would say, oh, Frank, who won out? A traditor, traditor. <laughs> how much do you think he got paid for that, Kenny? How much? Yeah, how many? How many pieces of silver from Gotti did he get paid? I want to hear. I want to hear you and him do this. Just go watch it first to verify it, and oh. then call him out. And we want to make this public. I want to hear what he says. God, he's Judas. He's Judas. <laughs> what thirty pieces of silver? How much did Gotti give him to do that? I know, right? I wonder when I'm trying to. I'm gonna Google this now just to see if it yeah, comes up. Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing. Well, in 2018, they said so. Ron Gooby, you know, who testified against me, stuck the shiv in me. This time comes to my defense, and just since I'm ready to get up and walk away, who comes with a boot in the back of my head? Frank Morano. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. They say it's on A and E. It's www.attv.com. I, I, I googled it. I just googled it, and that's what comes up. So, Gotti, and, Godfather, and Son. Yeah, full episode. There's like a whole bunch of episodes of biography, biography documentary of Gotti. Shoo, man, Kenny, I, I appreciate this. I, man, I owe Kenny. You think, hey, Avery? You think? Do you think uh, Frank would have told me that he was doing this series, right? You think he, he should have told me? Of course not. A dirty rat. Tradito. Judas. 1-800-848-9222. So now you know. You know. He did this uh, big TV program, never told anybody. Sticks the boot to the back of my head. And here I am doing like 92 straight hours of radio, and we have no idea where Frank Morano is. He's MIA, missing in action. I will tell you this. A big story in New York is uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, now the soccer man with no plan, back from Qatar, has a job opening. If anybody is in need of uh, employment, it's uh, called the Rat Czar. Uh, you can make 120000 to 170000 depending on your resume. And uh, our mayor, Eric Adams, he likes people who've been in trouble. He likes to mentor them. He likes to give them a second chance. So I've actually uh, suggested Sammy the Bull Gravano become the rat czar because, let's face it, there's been no bigger rat in the history of organized crime than Sammy the Bull Gravano, underboss of the Gambino crime family. 
he's executed human beings. So if he's executed at least 16, probably more human beings, he'd be great at exterminating rats, right? Especially if they're two-legged rats. I know it's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-W. No, wait a second. 848 9222. That's 1 800 9222. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Stands on golden sand. Love Bobby Darren. Bronx kid. Bronx high school of science. Boy, he did jingles. He did songs. He wrote songs. Died at such an early age. He had rheumatic fever as a young boy. I know it well. My mother, Francesca, no longer with us. Had rheumatic fever at a much earlier time than Bobby Darren. And the therapy was you had to sit in a seat. And not move at an asylum because they felt if you'd move around your aorta would explode like John Ritter's did. It caused his demise. So my mother would be sitting there weeks and weeks on end, months, until finally she broke out of the asylum in Connecticut, made her way to a county store, was able to uh, call the grocery store down in Canarsie, Brooklyn, where she was living at that time, uh, she was the 13th, the last drop of uh, my grandfather, Fidel, and my grandmother, Nicoletta Bianchino, who had come from uh, Andria in Bari, right along the Adriatic coast. Called the county, excuse me, called the local grocery store. Nobody had phones at that time except for stores. Summoned Nicoletta. She got on the phone. Francesca, my mother, was crying. I've escaped. I've escaped. She said, one yawn. Stay right there. Stay right there. They went up and they brought her back. She never had a problem with her rheumatic fever. In fact, she used to drink bone marrow soup as a remedy. This was an old remedy. Bone marrow soup. I don't know what uh, Bobby Darren took. But eventually, I think he was 38, he died on the operating table, I believe in Mount Sinai in Los Angeles, because he was always having cardiac problems. What a great singer. What a great talent. In fact, best story that was ever told of the many stories by probably the greatest DJ ever to spend stacks of wax, Cousin Brucey, a.k.a. Bruce Morrow was interviewing Connie Francis. Connie Francis, who, when I first broke into radio, was a fan. She sent me a bouquet of flowers. I thought it was deathbed lilies from mobsters choking on their lobsters. She sent this beautiful bouquet with a little note in it, and I gave her a call because I had grown up in a family in which they listened to Connie Francis all the time. I said, oh, Connie, this was so nice of you. She was a real fan. But she was on with Cousin Brucey, a.k.a. Bruce Marlin. And Cousin Brucey said, do you have one regret in life? She said, yes, that I did not elope with Bobby Darren when he asked me. He said, 
Your father's never going to let us get married. Let's elope. Let's go to Vegas. She said, no, I'm a good Italian girl in a good Italian family. I must get the permission of my father. I will talk with him, and I'm going to try to convince him. And instead, when she told the father, the father threatened to go and break Bobby Darren's legs and stuff it in his pocket, and they were never able to marry. And imagine so many decades later with Cousin Brucey, she said it was the biggest regret she ever had in her life. What a great story. 1-800-848-9222. And to this town, excuse me, to this song, Bobby Darren's Beyond the Sea, there are three things that took place that maybe you can all help me with. You know, a lot of people think it was a miracle that I survived being shot five times with hollow point bullets and jumping out of a moving cab. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Pales in comparison to these three stories. You probably heard it. It went viral. A Carnival Cruise Line passenger who was caught vaping and then went outside. You know, they said, you can't vape here. You can't vape here. You know, he was online. Uh, I guess uh, he wanted extra bacon, you know, because everybody takes a cruise to get extra bacon, you know, on the buffet. They always run out of bacon. So they tell him, you can't can't vape here. So he goes, okay. He tells uh, his friends, I'm going outside. Then after about an hour, they said, boy, man, he's been vaping a lot. We better go find him. Nowhere to be found. Apparently, he went overboard at sea in the Gulf of Mexico for 15 hours. And we're not talking life raft. We're not talking that he found a piece of wood and he was floating like, you know, the old black and white World War II movies. You know, they they latched on to some debris. He was in the water for 15 straight hours before the Coast Guard rescued him. How the hell did he do that? First of all, there's sharks in the Gulf of Mexico. He could have been shark bait. Secondly, what is he doing, floating on his back for 15 hours? Maybe somebody out there knows. Ah, Look, my father was a merchant seaman 54 years. Uh, If he were alive today, he'd probably say, no, man. Probably would have died from hypothermia by then. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking of ships, you may have also seen that miraculous story of the stowaways from Nigeria who were found on the ship's rudder. The rudder is what skims the water. There's a little compartment in it. They're all stuffed in there. The ship was sailing for 11 days. And we're not talking about weather that was calm. We're talking about rough seas. So that means the waves are coming up and splashing right into the rudder and going over the rudder. 11 days on a voyage from Nigeria to the Canary Islands. And they survived. How the hell did he do that? I mean, look, I know they caught him. They're going to deport him back to Nigeria. But I would have said, whoa, this is like you may have remembered when people were escaping from Cuba when Fidel and Raul Castro were alive behind the sugarcane curtain of Cuba. They would sometimes sneak into a wheel well. Could have been like a 727. And then the plane would take off, let's say, for Argentina. 
And, you know, when the plane goes up, you're like freezing your tuchus off if you don't fall out of the wheel well. And then they land, and sometimes they die. Sometimes they'd survive. How the hell did they do that? I'm sure some of our many listeners to the Frank Morano nationally syndicated show actually at some point stored themselves into a wheel well of some... Um, of some airline that was taking off from Timbuktu. By the way, where is Timbuktu, ladies and gentlemen? Maybe, if I'm generous enough, you'll get a Curtis Lebo booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell, because I throw nickels around like manhole covers. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then finally, this may have been the most miraculous at all. Of all those things that I have just depicted to you. On the morning of Christmas Eve 1971, a packed airliner, 82 people, had boarded a flight in Lima bound for the port city on the other side of the mountains. And while 25 minutes into the flight after the takeoff, the 82-passenger Lockheed turboprop flew into a thunderstorm and began to shake overhead the storage bins popped open showering the passengers and crew with luggage and their christmas presents from a window seat in the back row a 17 year old teenager watched a bolt of lightning strike the plane's right wing she remembers the aircraft nosediving and her mother saying evenly it's over It's over. There's nothing we could do. She remembers people weeping and screaming. She remembers the thundering silence that followed. The aircraft had broken apart, separating her from everyone on board. The next thing she knew, she was no longer inside the cabin. She was on the outside in the open air. The open air. And she plunged to miles down like a missile gathering steam along uh, along the way 10,000 feet and then all of a sudden she hits into the dense forest area of Peru skims the treetops and then immediately becomes unconscious she's in a bench she's in a torn mini dress She's all over the place. She thought for sure she had died. She woke up a day later. Then they found her. A broken collarbone, a sprained knee, gashes on her right shoulder and left calf, one eye swollen shut, and her field of vision in the other narrowed to a slit. But she was alive. Can you imagine? No parachute, a free fall. Two miles into the jungle, you're falling, and you see, as you look below, you see all the treetops that probably resembled broccoli heads, and you just crash through that, and you figure, that's it, it's over, right? Alive. Alive. The woman is living in Germany today. It's absolutely incredible. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 
888-729-9222. And I would love the many experts out there, you know, the Monday quarterbacks, Monday morning quarterbacks, to describe how the way, how the hell you could be stowed away on a ship's rudder and survive an 11-day trip. How all of a sudden you could be thrown overboard or jump overboard while you were vaping on a Carnival cruise slide and survive 15 hours in the Gulf of Mexico without a life raft, without a life preserver, with nothing. You're not floating on anything. And how you could fall two miles straight down in the jungles of Peru, have serious internal injuries, but survive. Somebody else, they fall 20 feet down, dead. Does it mean that when it's time to go, it's time to go? Hey. And by the way, where the hell is Frank Morano? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. You know what this reminds me of? How many times did crazy man Christopher Walken appear on Saturday Night Live? Remember cowbell, cowbell. More cowbell, more cowbell. Psycho boy. What was that? Will Ferrell, Jimmy Fallon. And, of course, Christopher Walken. That's great. You know, this week was the anniversary of... The murder of Natalie Wood. Yes, I'm calling it murder. As she was on that yacht off Catalina Island, off the California coast. She was on that yacht with who? Christopher Walken and her husband, Robert Wagner. What the hell were the three of them doing on that yacht? The third mate said he heard some arguing down below. Apparently between Christopher Walken and Robert Wagner. I don't know if they were punching each other. But Natalie Wood was then next found to have drowned. Now, come on. If you had to pick who killed her, right? Look at Psycho Boy, right? Christopher Walken. And then look at Robert Wagner. You know, yes, I'm a wasp. I'm selling you life insurance, Robert Wagner. Think about that. Well, there wasn't a Robert Wagner with Dr. Evil. Wasn't that Robert Wagner was sitting with Dr. Evil? Oh, that was great. Great scene. Oh, wow. If I had a guess, right, if this was Deer Hunter for me and they had guns to my head, they'd say, what? Who is it killed? Who killed Natalie Wood? 
Who killed that Lee Wood? Click, click, click. Ah! Who would I say? Would I say Robert Wagner? Or would I say Psycho Boy from Queens? Christopher Walker, huh? Acquiring minds want to know. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Freehold, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard, Johnny. Hey, Curtis. Um, So the guy who fell off the cruise ship, apparently the waters were rough when he fell off. He was treading water for 20 minutes. All right, that, that, that's that's 20 minutes. This guy was in the water. No, 20 hours. I'm sorry. No, 15 hours. hours before they rescued him. The Coast Guard rescued him. I, I just don't understand how he could survive. Hypothermia alone would have taken him out. Well, he said that the, the water was warm during the day. It was only when the sun started going down it got cold. But because he was treading... So much for so many hours, he wasn't as cold. You know, I, I can't wait uh, a full-scale interview with this guy because, I mean, we have to admit, John, that's a miracle. Yeah, I just read an article about it. He said he thought a shark was about to come up to him. He didn't know what kind of fish it was, but it tried to bite his leg. Hell yeah, in the Gulf, it's filled with sharks. You know, they have the... They have the, uh, the the drill rigs, you know, for oil out there. And whenever you're on a, a, a rig, because one time I went out there from New Orleans, a lot of the helicopters fly from Louisiana out there into the Gulf, you know, to swap the crews. Uh, I looked down, man, and it was like a sea of sharks. Yeah, I was in Fort Lauderdale one time, and um, I was by myself, and it was like maybe 3, 4 in the morning. And for like four days in a row, I'd walk. It was beautiful out in the water, in the ocean, and uh, the the moonlight was hitting it. I'd walk out like so far, and then people and then people told me, "Are you crazy? Sharks feed at three, four in the morning." Abs- like, abs- absolutely, it, it reminds me my father, who uh, was uh, in the Merchant uh, Marines for World War II. They had a trading academy where Kingsboro Community College is now at the end of uh, Manhattan Beach, uh, Sheepshead Bay. And this is how they trained you. They rowed you out into the middle of Jamaica Bay. They threw you over, and they said, swim to shore. Now, my father was able to do that because he grew up in Chicago, and he used to swim like a fish in Lake Michigan in the winter. Right, so he was ready. But he said the other young men, man, they were like freezing up. Their lips were purple. They lost circulation, they couldn't move, and they had to fish him out uh, of Jamaica Bay. Man, I'm telling you, that's hardcore. I got 15 freaking hours. And What are you paddling like, a, you know, a little dog would paddle? How do you survive 15 hours? Let's go to Marcus in uh, Rockaway. Your turn to be heard, Marcus. Yeah, how you doing, uh... How do you think uh, I'm? How do you how do you think I'm doing, Marcus? I'm wondering where <laughs> where the freak Frank Morano is. How do you think I'm doing? Terrible, but but you know it's always WABC, you know, so always broadcasting Curtis. That's right. Now you, you made me. Know. Now you made me feel good. You may, I, I have knockers. <laughs> I have knockers from that. Yes, yes. Okay, you wanted to know uh, where uh, Timbuktu was? 
Yeah, how many times have you heard people say, oh, what are you looking for, Timbuktu? I've heard it quite often. It's in a country called Mali. Ah, uh, Mali. Now, is that West Africa, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes. And it's in the uh, northwestern part of the, that country itself, the city. And uh, the archaeologists there, they were able to find libraries, universities, relics, books, massive numbers of books that had been written, handwritten by African scholars centuries and centuries ago. Well, the first humans, uh, that's where they came from, northwest Africa. Now, who is that, you said? The The first human beings... Uh, uh, they uh, evolved in Northwest Africa. Oh, so you are a believer in Dr. Leakey, huh? Dr. Leakey, I assume, huh? Kenya, is that what you're saying? Uh, more or less. <laughs> now, now, hold on a second. We got a debate here. Where did the first human being come from? You say the continent of Africa. Others would say in the land down under Australia, the Aboriginal people. Did you know that? Did you know that, Marcus? Did you know that? Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, the Aboriginal people with the boomerang. I mean, and then all of a sudden it comes back. It conks you right in your head. Running out there in the outback against the wombats, the kangaroos, and the koala bears who are eating the eucalyptus leaves. And they look stoned while all of a sudden they were eliminating all kinds of elements out of their body. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Marcus has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> you ever see a koala bear, right? Like Qantas Airlines, right? Oh, look, uh, nice little qu- creature, the koala-, koala bear. I went to the zoo first in Australia when I was there in Sydney organizing guardian angels until they deported me. They say, oh, look, uh, our national symbol, the koala bear. Look stoned. They're eating the eucalyptus trees, and they're just eliminating. I say, you know, it's going to fall on our heads. Oh, and all the Aussies are looking up. Oh, it's a koala bear. And then you're riding on, on, they don't even have super highways. They have two-lane highways. If all of a sudden a koala bear goes out into the middle, all the traffic stops, pull out the Barbie, we're going to get drunk, and we're going to grill some shrimp. I mean, they work like three days a week, right? And they just, they watch the wombats, they watch the kangaroos, they watch the koala bears. I say, hey, does anybody work here? Yeah, we work watching the wombats, the kangaroos, the koala bears. What I need to know is, where the hell is Frank Morano? Has anybody actually discussed uh, on the Frank Morano show, the other side of midnight, coast to coast, about what's been going on in Moscow. No, no, not his favorite topic, the Ukraine. Moscow and Idaho, you know, the four dead young people. Have, have you talked about it, huh, Ken? Of course you're vapid. You wouldn't know. We'll get into it up next. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Ah, maybe we'll have to put the FBI 
the acronym Forever Busting Italians on the case of the Gambino sickle fan Tony and Lackey Frank Morano. He continues to be missing in action, and that's why you will have to listen to me every minute, every hour, every day, every week that he's gone. And I just want to announce, if you happen to be listening, Frank Morano, understand this. It was the story of Wally Pipp. He was the uh, first baseman for the Yankees years ago. Very good first baseman. And he had a migraine headache. Not because he was half in the bag. He had a migraine headache. He took some aspirin. He still had a migraine. He said, what do I do, coach? Coach said, you know what? We got a road trip coming up. Why don't you just shake it off? Spend a, a day in, in your apartment. We got this kid, you know, over. we got him over from Columbia University. He grew up in Washington State. He's a real hayseed. Uh, Lou Gehrig, he'll play first today. Come back tomorrow. Don't worry about it. He's he's a he's a player of no consequence. Wally Pip never got back into the lineup. So if you're out there, Frank Morano, you may never get this time back because I am the Pac-Man of talk radio. I eat it all up. If I could do 24 hours a day, and I've done it, I've done 36 straight hours. I'll do it. For whatever reason, you take a mental health day, you go on vacation, you got a fever in your foot, you're tired of this this crew of yours, these jadrules, these knuckle draggers, Matt Plays, Ken the runway ma- model, vapid as he is, and Alex, the brown-nosed producer, who's got his nose right up to Tuchus of Frank Morano. I get it. I get it. But this this is not a job. This is a mission that we're on to connect all the dots in the most intimate form of broadcasting ever created. Whether you believe it's the radio invented by Marconi or you believe it's the radio invented by the Serbian Tesla, we could have that kind of an argument, right? But I wonder why nobody that I've heard on talk radio is talking about these Idaho murders. You turn on the Fox News channel, you would think there's no other news. You see the four victims. And you they go on and on. I, I get it. Vicious killings. And, man, the FBI ain't looking good again. And, by the way, some of you, oh, the FBI, they're no good now. When the hell have they ever been good? What, J. Edgar Hoover? You kidding? With his boyfriend, Tolson? Who didn't even acknowledge that there was organized crime. No such thing as organized Oh, when were they ever good, the FBI, huh? Well, you know, I, I like this. Well, you know, the leaders, it's the leaders of the FBI. What about the FBI agents themselves? Oh, they're the best. First class, top shelf, five star. No, they're not. And these people who say this, they've never dealt with the FBI. I've dealt with the FBI. FBI sitting down there, they're having a meeting, a discussion. They got a confidential informer who's in the Gambino crime family. And the guy tells him, hey, we know who uh, shot up Sliwa. You don't try to kill him on June 19th in 1992. They said, why would we want you to reveal who you are in court because they decided to kill that big mouth? You know, maybe it would have done us uh, 
Done us all a favor if they would have put lights out, man, so we wouldn't have to listen to them on the radio morning, noon, and night. It's an FBI agent said. They didn't reveal the confidential informer. FBI, right? Oofa. First, it was forever busting Italians. And then after the attack of 9-11, forever busting Islamists. And now they couldn't bust their shadow. I mean, look at them. They're out there helping these okie-dokie Moscow police officers. And I know if this were Frank Morano, that's right, Vladimir Putin versus Zelensky. No, 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 no. Moscow, Idaho. I know when I was a kid and we were in school and it was geography class. And all of a sudden, you know, one of these horse shack kids, ooh, 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 it's Moscow, Idaho. Well, what, what are you talking about? Moscow is in Russia. Back then, the Soviet Union. The teacher said, you're wrong, Mr. Sliwa. I said, no, I'm not wrong. I know what Moscow is. Khrushchev, you know, every day we're underneath our desk. We're kissing our tukis, right? Because we expect a big one to hit. Yeah, you have no idea. Yeah, you didn't go through the Cold War. We knew where Moscow was, and it wasn't in Idaho. The only thing in Idaho were potatoes. That's the only thing we knew. What's in Idaho, Mr. Sleeve? Potatoes. A lot of potatoes. Anything else? No, just just potatoes. And remember, you had to do duck and cover. Duck and cover. If Nikita Khrushchev throws the big one at us, duck and cover. Nobody was thinking Moscow, Idaho. They were thinking Moscow, Russia. I remember the movie Failsafe. I remember Henry Fonda there, who was playing JFK. And you heard the voice of somebody playing Nikita Khrushchev. And remember? Remember, finally it came down to... Okay, we couldn't call the Jets back. They bombed Moscow. I won't tell anybody... But an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You can bomb New York City. My wife is at a luncheon right now at the Empire State Building. Dropped a bomb right there. What are you, crazy? Henry Fonda, remember, schwitzing there, schwitzing. Oh, but it was a great movie. It was a great movie. But I digress. We're talking about Idaho. Normally, we never talk about Idaho. I don't think they've had a murder in Moscow, Idaho since 2015. And that, they murdered a moose there. They didn't even murder a human being. So I'm, I'm surprised it's been like the focus of the Fox News channel morning, noon, and night. But I never hear it on talk radio. And I'm wondering, we got a lot of sleuths out there. You know, we got a lot of Sherlock Holmes. I know there are a lot of people, they want to resolve this crime because they're figuring the Moscow police can't. The state police in Idaho can't, and the FBI seems to be completely inept. Not a clue. Not one piece of evidence. In fact, one of the parents seems to be doing more of an investigation than all the law enforcement agencies. You have a press conference. Do you have anything to report? No. Um, anything suspicious? No. Do you have a profile of the killer or killers? No. Is there anything you could tell us at this press conference? No, no, no. So please, ladies and gentlemen, I haven't been as studious and attentive as I should be about the Idaho College students 
And whether you were targeted or not targeted, one day the cops say, oh, they were targeted. The next day, they were not targeted. Then the following, oh, yes, they were targeted. And I'm saying, man, this is like the Keystone Cops. Gee, I understand there have been killers in our society that have been able to sleek under the cover of darkness, out of sight, out of mind. Not even any DNA to bring down a Salt Lake City. Oh, that's right. Frank Morano would never give up his DNA because he might actually be uh, convicted of committing a crime. Police for weeks have said they believe the attack was targeted but have not offered specifics. On November 15th, Moscow police said they preliminarily believe this was an isolated, targeted attack and there is no imminent threat to the community at large. And then the very next day, the police backtracked and said they couldn't actually say whether there was a threat to the public. I'm not, I'm not all that thrilled with law enforcement in Moscow, Idaho. Still, as the investigation advanced, authorities publicly maintained investigators believe the killings were targeted. Targeted, not targeted. Targeted. Are they talking about Target? I mean, I, I don't get it. All I know is this would have been a job for Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Remember the old FBI series? There they were, agents busting their shoes. Everything was choreographed by J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, yeah, he, he, had to, uh, he had to give the green light to the scripts and his boyfriend, Tolson, also. Oh, yeah, yeah, the both of them. Uh, they were a couple. But they pursued gays. So we must find out if they're gay or communists. That is the job of the FBI. And by the way, Martin Luther King Jr., why don't you kill yourself? And we got a tape here of you uh, having, uh, what, Caligula? Why, why don't you just spare us all? Kill yourself. Great guy, J. Edgar Hoover, right? Not. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So let me run through some of this. Kaylee's father believes the suspect chose to go upstairs to target the victims. The father is giving us more information than the coppers. Then, remember, they went up to that, they called him a socially awkward neighbor, a freak. I listened to the interview with this guy, and he said, no, no, it's all social media. They're, they're, They're claiming that I did it because I'm socially awkward. What does socially awkward mean? Frank Morano is socially awkward. He's got the pocket protector, all the pens. You know, all of a sudden he's twirling his hair. He's got a gray streak in honor of Tulsi Gabbard and his medulla and cerebellum. What do you mean by socially awkward? I'm trying to figure this out. Quote, he said, I didn't do it. I got nothing to hide. I'm willing to give DNA, fingerprints, whatever they need. Frank Morano wouldn't give DNA. Would that make him a prime suspect? When asked what he believed the speculation stemmed from, this socially awkward suspect suggested it could be his lack of composure when giving interviews. (laughs) And they believed him. It's him. It's him. You know, I, I don't give interviews that well. I'm shifty. I look at the camera. 
I have guilt written all over my forehead. But in Idaho, what the hell would these potato farmers know? Quote, I'm naturally an awkward person. It's just my mannerisms, the way I talk. My natural person, just a little bit socially awkward, so I might smile at points that I really shouldn't. Oh, when they were describing how the victims were stabbed over and over, and you were smiling at the investigators? Lock them up! No, because I'm socially awkward. Oh, my God. I might smile at points that I shouldn't. I might make weird hand movements when I shouldn't, like stabbing motions over and over and over. What is it with these Keystone cops out there? This is the guy, right? You know, it was the NYPD. Book him, Dano. Book him. Because Alvin Bragg is just going to cut him loose. It's okay. Just book him. You know, uh, he'll be out before we finish the paperwork. But at least book him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make hide, hide nor hair. Where did that term hide nor hair come from? That makes no sense. I'm trying to make hide nor hair out of this. Can anybody explain that to me? How many times have you heard that? I'm trying to make hide nor hair out of this. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I kid you not, I'm watching the interview. And he goes, I'm naturally an awkward person. It's just my mannerisms, the way I talk. I look guilty. Well, if you look guilty, you're probably guilty. My natural person, just a little bit socially awkward. So I might smile at points that I shouldn't. You mean when they were describing how they bled out on the floor, what a horrible way it was to die, and you were freaking smiling? I might make weird hand movements when I shouldn't. Uh, 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 uh. Nah, he's not the primary suspect, no. Could it be any weirder, this case? Does anybody have any ideas out there who might be responsible for this dastardly deed? The whole world wants to know, especially the Fox News Channel, because this way they don't have to talk about Trump, 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 Trump. Oh, by the way, did you see Donald Trump on his social networking? I couldn't believe this. He said, we got to get rid of the Constitution. That's the only way I'm going to be back as president. It's like, hey, you know, they stole the election from me. Get rid of the Constitution. It's the only way I get back into office. And I noticed that many Republicans were struggling with that. What do you think about Donald Trump saying that we ought to get rid of the Constitution? What, did he say that? It's his own social networking. But, uh, Well, you know, it's Donald. Like Dominic Carter, right? Oh, you know, that's Donald Trump. Really, get rid of the Constitution. Just like that. Well, that's Donald Trump. Come see, come saw. It's just a piece of paper. You know, Bill of Rights, Constitution, Magna Carta. Hey, what? It's like a matchbook, right? You finish using the matches, you get rid of the matchbook. Oh, man. 1-800-848-9222. It's 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Good morning, Curtis. Well, I, 
we're going to discuss something totally different. You asked the question, and I'm going to answer it for you. You asked how a guy could survive more than 15 hours in the water and not get hypothermia. Am I correct in assuming that this event happened in the Caribbean Sea? No, the Gulf of Mexico. Gulf of Mexico. Okay, well, it's the same waters. Warm waters, Curtis. Now, look, there are oceans and there are seas around the world where if he had fallen in, like the North Atlantic, uh, say, for example, uh, off the coast of Iceland or Greenland, two minutes, three minutes. If he wasn't fished out, he'd die. Now, let me give you some history from World War II. You remember, have you ever heard the story of the cruiser Indianapolis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, uh, there's a statue uh, in downtown Indianapolis to that. Okay, you know the story. The Indianapolis delivered, in fact, it's mentioned in the movie Jaws. One of the shark hunters tells how he was aboard the Indianapolis and survived. Okay, the story briefly is this. Indianapolis delivered the first atomic bomb to the Marianas. Uh, It was the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. Okay. The cruiser was then going to go back to home base in the Philippines. It took off from the Marianas, but en route to the Philippines, it was uh, torpedoed by a Japanese submarine. Uh, 200, 300 men were killed outright on the ship, but another eight to 900 wound up in the water. There were men who survived for not 15 hours, Curtis, not 24, not 36, not 48, but almost 80 hours. They were hanging on to plastic. They were hanging on to rafts. They were beating off sharks. About 800 of those men did not survive. They were circled constantly by sharks. The waters of the Pacific are much, much, much warmer than other waters. It has to do with ocean currents, but... And I'm sure that your grandfather, your great-grandfather, the one who was in the Merchant Marines, will tell you that, uh, and I believe he was the one that did the run up to Archangel and Murmansk. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. And he reminded uh, me every second, you know, Joe Stalin should kiss our ass for what we went through to resupply the Russians in World War II. That is true. But remember, well, that's the subject for another discussion. What the Russians went through from 41 to 45, I know Russian. There is not a one person in Russia who didn't have, you know, 30 million people. You know, we lost 400, 300,000 men in World War II, and we think that's a lot. When you lose 30 million, but that's another subject. But as I say, the, 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 the men of the Indianapolis, there was another situation where men were in the ocean for more than two, three days. The Battle of Leyte Gulf, the greatest naval battle in history, Uh, there were men from some of the ships that defended the island of Leyte against one one of the Japanese squadrons that was coming down through San Bernardino Strait. Um, It was called the Battle of Samar. And there were men from several ships that were sunk because these were small ships. These were were, uh, escort carriers, destroyers, destroyer escorts. Some of these men were not picked up by the Navy for 76 hours. 
and they survived again in the waters of the Pacific. Right, but in this so, particular instance, Robert, the guy who went overboard the Carnival Cruise Line in uh, the Gulf of Mexico because he was vaping outside and something happened, had he had nothing to hold on to. It was just him. So there was no, like, piece of wood or plastic or anything else, you know, that would come like from a ship that had just been torpedoed, in that case, by the Japanese. So there was no debris that he was hanging on to. He survived out there paddling, doing the dog well, paddle. I'd like to hear, for 15 I'd love hours. to hear his story, too. I'd love to hear his story, too. I mean, did he lie on his back and close his eyes and dream of mermaids? I, I have no idea. But, you know, it, but the fact that he survived in, in those waters, I mean, I don't know how good a swimmer he was. He, I, don't, don't, I don't think he was Johnny Weissmuller or Buster Crabb. But that would be an interesting story. One other thing. Uh, last night, I, uh, I wanted to mention to you, Frank, Frankie Diaz mentioned the story a couple of nights ago about a guy who robbed a number of banks coming down I, Interstate 5, all the way that, car, uh, that I-5 corridor going down from New England to Florida. And it got me to thinking, you happen to know, Curtis, when the first robbery of a bank happened in the United States? Well, first uh, first robbery, well, we know that it was not Jesse James and his outlaws, right? You're sure about that? Ooh, you mean I got lucky? Yes. Okay, I'll tell you very quickly. February 14th, 1866, the Civil War had ended the year before. There were certain uh, certain elements in Missouri that had not taken the oath of allegiance to the Union. Among them were Frank and Jesse James and the younger brothers Bob, Cole, Jim, and John Younger. On February 14th, and they still thought, even after the war, they were still fighting for the South. Now, Frank and Jesse and the younger brothers had actually fought in groups like Quantrill's Raiders. They fought for Bloody Bill Anderson. And they still thought they were fighting for the South, although they were really they, they were really fighting for themselves. They were guerrilla fight. They were guerrillas. They were, uh, they, you know, they you know they killed us, you know, whatever. On February fourteenth, eighteen sixty six, under the leadership of Frank and Jesse James and the Younger Brothers, fourteen men entered the town of Liberty, Missouri. Liberty happened to be the county seat for Clay County. The fourteen men on Saint Valentine's Day robbed the Clay County Savings and Loan Association of $70,000. That was the first bank robbery in American history. Uh, unlike the first train robbery, which happened not in the South, but in the Midwest in Seymour, Indiana, earlier that year, by the Reno brothers. Well, remember, fact, you look at the Midwest, the heartland, that's where all the bank robbers came from. The heartland. Dylan G, you go right to I will tell you this much, Robert. There is a cell, was a cell until they took a wrecking ball to it, the Detroit House of Correction, where I spent close to 10 days. That was the cell where they had housed Jesse James. Now, Ken is like in disbelief. He's thinking, you mean Frank James, that black guy who went on the Q train there and shot it up that morning, and is now the Maytag for R. Kelly before he gets shipped off to some federal penitentiary for being a pedophile on a pedestal at the Brooklyn House, uh, Federal House in Sunset Park. Yeah, he's like his Maytag, Frank James. Yeah, and they sing show tunes under a carousel, R. Kelly, 
and Frank James for all the other inmates. They're getting along splendidly, a little too splendidly. And when all of a sudden they have to separate them because R. Kelly's got to go to some camp fed somewhere, it's going to make Frank James cry. Wait, Frank James? No, no relationship to Jesse James and his brother. But, yeah, I had a copper squat for close to 10 days. And all the CEOs, the screws would say, Hey, Sleewa, you know who sell that used to be? I said, no, give me a let, let, let me think it out. What, Al Kaline, Rocky Calabito? Come on. What, what do I know who sell? This is Detroit. I'm not from Detroit. I said, yeah, but you know who Jesse James was. I said, you're kidding. Jesse James? It was Jesse James, and it was Dillinger. And then there was the guy who said, the reason I robbed banks... It's because that's all where all the money is. Who is that? Who is that, ladies and gentlemen? Who was quoted as saying, the reason I rob banks is because that's where all the money is. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. is incredible as I substitute for the Frank Morano syndicated across the nation program. I asked, who said the reason that I robbed banks, schmuck, is because that's where all the money is. Think he said schmuck? I think he did. And what does uh, hiding or hair mean? I mean, what the hell? A hair, right? That's like a rabbit, right? Hiding or a hair, or if I take my red beret off as leader of the Guardian Angels, I have very little hair on my head. Uh, let me hear that song, yeah. To the dance floor! Now, you know this ain't Frank Morano because... He doesn't want to get up and dance. He says he'd rather have a game board, you know, Parcheesi, 
Monopoly, checkers. How boring. Dance music is playing. Gotta get out there and strut your stuff. Oh, you could hustle to this song, that's for sure. See, uh, Matt Blaze, he thinks... He thinks she's singing about you as a DJ, right? Then Rich Rod Bali fancies himself our senior producer here. He goes, oh, I'm a DJ. Yeah, you're all DJs, right? Yeah, DJ this. This, a DJ saved her life. I have no idea what she means by that. It just, it runs. Makes sense, right? A DJ saved my life from a broken heart. Does that mean he shacked up with the DJ? She shacked up with the DJ? Although... If you were, well, 72 different sexual identities now, 72 gender identifications, don't get nervous, Ken. I know it's a little little too heavy to think about. But you, Ken, could be a man one day, a woman the next day, non-binary, and then a vegetable. Hey, we have to accept who it is you think you are, want to be, or are on that particular moment of that particular day in this particular year, and we cannot challenge that even though it makes no sense whatsoever. Mind your business, they say. If he wants to be a vegetable, he's a vegetable. You feel like a vegetable? Oh, I noticed your leaves. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're purple. Man, we'll roll it up and smoke it. Purple haze, right? You're a schmuck. Anyway, let's go to the phones here. Hmm. Let's go to Bobby in Long Beach. Your turn to be heard on W... Oh, can't say that. Your turn to be heard here. Okay, Curtis, here it is. Uh, hello? Curtis? You hung up on me, you jerk? Oh, man. Hello? 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 You know, I objected to the way he approached me. I decided I'm not going to answer. There is nothing in my contract that says that I have to answer some <laughs> some guy calling from Long Beach, right? Who's like, hello, hello. Meantime, there's a female there. Huh? What did we interfere with there? Huh? What? I just didn't feel like answering him. You know, hey, look. It's my right, right? right? We have freedom of choice here, right? I didn't want to answer his question. I didn't like the sound of his voice. I thought that he was being a little too pernicious. You know what pernicious is? I know, Ken, that's it's a $5 word, you know, multisyllabic. You may have a problem digesting that. Look at he's eating like uh, he's chewing his cut here. Unbelievable. This is what I got to deal with the Frank Morano crew. Oh, oh, Bob is back. Yeah, Bob. Hey, how you doing, Bob? Hey. Yeah, I'm right here. Look, Curtis. Yes. Hello. Okay, it was it was it was Willie Sutton said that, and do you know the story behind Willie Sutton with that story? Yeah, no, no, why don't why don't you enlighten us? Okay, let me tell you what happened. 
Willie Sutton was like a folk hero. The cops knew him and everything. Da, da, da. But they weren't really looking for him. But there was one day this dude came up. I think he was in East New York or something. Some uh, real schmagaggy, uh, right? And he points the cop. He said, I know where Willie Sutton is. The cops really didn't want to arrest him because he was Because he said, okay, we're, they showed him, so the cops had to arrest him. Then the Schmendrick goes on TV, right? And he's giving an interview to the police, to the to the to the, to, to, to the newspaper, right? Yep. You know the reporter. So the, what then what happens is, Albert Anastasia is watching on TV, and just because this guy stooled out for no reason, for nothing, they found the guy who told the story about Willie Sutton sitting on a stool in a vacant lot with a bullet in his forehead and a pigeon stuffed down his mouth. Uh, you know, the sad part is the pigeon stuffed down his mouth. I love pigeons, as you know, but... I know, I know. I'm just telling you what happened. I don't though. know. You, you got most of that story. I got I to gotta give you credit where credit is due, Bob. Uh, this guy, he worked in a haberdashery shop. His name was Arnold Schuster. And, that's right, that's right. And he used to read those um, crime magazines, very popular uh, back there. In the Gazette, the Crime Gazette, right, right. right? And so he was like a buff. You know, He so he's he he's walking past his fix-it shop. You know, um, uh, the car, Willie Sutton's car is in there, and they're fixing it, and he, he, he IDs the guy. He says, oh, for sure, that's him. He goes, right. he goes to the local precinct. And two coppers looking at him like, get out of here, Willie Sutton. What the hell are you talking about? And they chase him out. And yet the two cops look at one another. You know, maybe we ought to go over there and just check it out. You know, you never know. You never know. So they go out. The guy is sitting there, Willie Sutton. He's reading, I think, the Daily Mirror or the Daily News. And they say, are you Willie Sutton? They say, yeah, I'm Willie Sutton. And they arrest him. And you're right. There were headlines. And then Arnold Schuster gets interviewed. And then at the time, uh, Albert Anastasia, head of Murder Incorporated. Murder Incorporated, right. Yeah, he's watching TV, and he's got the guinea tea on and the sausage and peppers. You know, it's dripping down this this mug's mouth. And he looks at him, he goes, that dirty rat. And he tells yeah. uh, he tells his hit guy, look, you go out there and you, you kill this guy by any means necessary because I'm going to be grumpy until I know he's dead. And he actually uh, put two uh, shots in the back of his head. J. Ed- like that, yeah. Right, right. J. Edgar Hoover had given him, like, you know, the Citizens Award of the FBI. That helped him a lot. <laughs> and then, meantime, here it is. They whacked the guy. And, and right. J. Ed- J. Edgar Hoover, it's like all of a sudden his uh, coulions were in his mouth. Here he is. He's, right. the F- he's the FBI director. He can't do anything. And then, and you remember, let's extrapolate, Bob. Albert Anastasia. Albert Anastasia ends up going for a shave to his favorite barbershop at the Park Sheraton. And they wrapped the hot towel around, and he's smoking a cigar. And all of a sudden, Joey Kid Blast Gallo comes in with the Gallo family. And they shoot him like 128 times. Remember that, Bobby? Hey. I know. That's right. But let me tell you something. Did you know there was a time, right, when FBI agents weren't allowed to carry guns? No, I didn't know that. That's right. 
There was a time when FBI agents were not allowed to carry guns. So one time they went up to a guy. They made an arrest. The guy says, oh, arrest? He pulled out a gun and shot the guy dead. Not the FBI agents. Yeah, I mean, Treasury agents, because they're the ones who busted Capone. People think, you know, the FBI was That's really so Treasury agents. Treasury, prohibition agents. Right. They'd stick right. a sharpened number two pencil at you and said, I, I saw you cook the books. You're under arrest. Yeah. Right. Right. It's fa- it's some, some of it is fascinating. You know, do you, know, you know who ran the Purple Gang in Detroit, right? So Bobby actually believes that Robert Stack, the Treasury agents, would hold a sharpened number two pencil and say, hey, I just you cooked the books, right? You're under arrest. You got me. Next thing you know, Al Capone, he's at Atlanta, federal penitentiary. Bad place, really bad. Still open. And then they said, nah, we got to send him to Alcatraz so that he won't escape. While he's in Alcatraz, they diagnose him as having STDs, and that's not Andy Granatelli's The Race's Edge. Sexually transmitted disease, a.k.a. syphilis. Ah! It ate up his brain, and then they finally realized the guy's a vegetable. Remember I started by saying vegetable? You see, you see Ken? You see how I went full circle? He still doesn't understand. Still not. Scato, okay, get it? And they release uh, Capone, and he spends the last few years down there, I think, what was that, Singer Island? One of those islands uh, off of Miami. Yeah, yeah, one time we got to talk about how there was an attempt to whack, was it FDR? Or was it the mayor of Chicago who is riding with him? As he arrived down in Miami, Florida, because he had turned on Capone. Inquiring minds want to know, are they trying to shoot FDR? Or are they trying to shoot the mayor of Chicago? Boy, that's a real brain buster for for, uh, Ken here. You know, him, he's like connecting the dots is... Very difficult with a sharpened number two pencil. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. And I still haven't heard anybody tell me what the hell hiding or hair means. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Look somewhere above her, pretend you don't love her, pretend you don't see her at all. I tell my mother, Francesca, you don't see her. Does she play my heart? Jerry Vale all day. She loved Jerry Vale. He's good. But I tell my mom when uh, when Angela knocks on the door, just pretend you don't see her, please. Her father wanted to kill me. Right? Please, I can't see her anymore. The guy's gonna st- stuff my leg in my pocket. 
I know. She's a nice girl, Mom. I know. My mother, she would always say, do you love her? Yeah, yeah. You got to marry her. What? 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 What do you mean, Mom? Uh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, what, 16? You know, you can't disgrace the Sliwa family. You love the girl, you got to marry her. You know how many marriages I ended up because of that? You know, they always say, you bring the girl home to mom. That's when the girl knows, wow, this is good. I'm easy pass now. Because the gumara, you never bring home to mom. The gumara always say, hey, hey, you never bring me home to your mother. Don't worry about it. So I bring him home to mom, and my mother would nudge me, and she was having her, she always had to have cheesecake. Italian cheesecake, the real cheesecake, and a new touch of the cafe, Medaglia d'Oro. You say, Uwanyan, do, do you love do you love her? Say, yeah, ma, I do. You got to marry her. But, mom, I, I, you got to marry her. You know, you carry our name, Bianchino name of your grandfather, grandmother, and the Sliwa name. You, you can't disgrace us. I said, not again, yeah. You got to get married. Oh, honor thy father and mother, right? Right? I always honored my father and mother. And I knew most of the time when I was getting married, this is a mistake. You ever, you ever in that situation where you're saying, do I really want to say I do? This is a mistake. Mom, I'm doing this for you. Honor your father and mother. I'm supposed to be a tough guy, right? Not in front of my mother, right? Curtis. You know that was wrong. You're right, Mom. You're right. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Do you love her? I can't lie to my mother. Lie to everybody else, right? Yeah, not to your mother. Yeah, 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 Mom. You got to marry her. Mom, you got to marry her. I'm only 16. Well, let's check the law in New York State, right? That would have been a shotgun wedding. Oh, boy. Oh, I love Cherry Vale from the Bronx. What a set of pipes. I want to do an hour of radio every week. I know I do like 40 hours already. I just want to do Jerry Vale one hour. All of his classics. Then I'm, did he say be gay? I could have swore he said that. I didn't hear that all those years in Canarsie when my mother would play it, you know, on the phonograph and the Victrola. Remember, you had the Victrola, right? It was nice. You had the 13-inch RCA black and white TV. Color TVs, hey, you had to be upscale. And you had the Victrola, and my mother would play Jerry Bell over and over and over. You see, then the Polish Prince, I would do an hour the next week of Bobby Vinton, the Polish Prince, who grew up in Washington, Pennsylvania, a town of 50,000 people, just south of Pittsburgh, on your way to Morgantown, West Virginia. Been there a few times. Imagine a town of 55,000. And who else came from Washington, Pennsylvania? Perry Como with the sweater on. I'd do an hour of Perry Como. Let me see. Who else can I do an hour? Oh, this would be good, right? Yeah, Curtis Lewa. Oh, uh, yeah. They tell all the stories about my mother, my father, my Aunt Mary, my Aunt Lucy, my Aunt Louise, my Uncle Sabine, Vincenz, Uncle Ralphie. I can associate the songs 
with all the mishikash. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jerry, 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 yeah. I couldn't pretend I didn't love her. Jerry, Jerry, I couldn't lie to my mother. I lied to everybody else. Cops said, did you kill that guy? No, I didn't. I lied, right? I mean, there were certain people you could lie to, right? But you couldn't lie to your mother. Your mother would look at you. You know, I birthed you, son. You know what it was like birthing you? No cesarean. You were a 13-pound baby. You know what I went through? Oh, God. Uh, I, I, you can't, you're not even a fib, not even a little white lie. She, and she'd know you were lying, right? Your mother always knew. Your father, he'd say, ah, he was born a liar. Bam! But your mother always knew. Mom, mom, please. I'm only 16. Oh, oh we'll figure something out. We'll go, to, we'll go to the Monsignor, yeah. We'll go to Father Simonetti. We'll figure something out. Mom, I'm only 16. Do you love her? Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, you got to get married. Thank God that father wanted to kill me. I would have been hooked up at 16. What a mess. I couldn't even brush my teeth at 16. I'm going to get married? Mom, mom, no. You got to do the right thing. Anyway, uh, let's go. I still haven't gotten an explanation of hide nor hair. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, it's Mike in New Hyde Park. Maybe he'll know. Your turn to be heard, Mike. Love the bumper music, by the way. Hiding your hair is a hunting comparison. So you bag a beast, and the next thing you're going you're gonna to want to do is field dress it. And the first thing you have to do is remove the hide. So that, the hide, is broad stroke analysis. When you're field dressing, there's hair all over the place. That's the minutia. So when someone says hide nor hair, they're implying this is an accurate analysis. This is a central point of view. You're being accurate. You're balanced. Now, Mike, uh, my interpretation was a lot more truncated than that. Hide because you have no hair on top of your head. I mean, think of it, right? How many times, you know, you say, oh, my God, I can't go out. Look, I got no hair on my head. Got to get a baseball cap. Got to get a fedora. Got to get something. For me, it was a red beret, right? And now you know the rest of the story. But anyway, boy, that is a complicated explanation. And I can't go home to my wife, the animal rights uh, expert, and tell her, I can't even use that term anymore. Hide no hair. Wow. That, thank you, Mike. That was, that, that was very nice of you to straighten me out on that. <laughs> I love your show. Thank you. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you. Wow. I'm not going home. Uh, Nancy's the keeper. She's the best. She puts up with me. The others didn't put up with me. They say, hey, you see the door? Get the hell out of here. And I never look back. Oh, God. What's, uh, give me Jerry Vale. Hey, what are you doing to me, man? How, how do you turn that music off? What is wrong with you, Matt Blaze? This is classic. 
See, pretend you don't see her, you don't know her. Mom, mom, I don't see it. Please, do you love her? Yeah, I do. You got to marry her. Shotgun wedding, right? Right to your head. The father wanted to put a shotgun to my head, but not to get married. He wanted to kill me. Why? You just got out of the pen. He said, what? My daughter's with who? That rat, Curtis Sliwa. No way! Not my house! Yeah, yeah, but you just got out of prison doing six years. I'll kill the guy! He's a rat! No, I've always been a rat. I tell you the times that I wired myself up like a Christmas tree and walked into those chop shops on Avenue D, the Lucchese guys, and they say, Hey, kid, what do you want? Hey, tell me the business. You know, I'm thinking... You know, I'm into recycling, you know, bottles, cans, newspapers. Hey, come on. Don't waste your time. We're into parts. What do you mean parts? Well, look, I got a cheat sheet here of all the different makes and models we're looking for in the neighborhood. Could you read that to me? I didn't do too well in school. And, and talk into my lapel, please, because I can't hear that well. And you know all these chadrules would do that? I mean, you talk about special ed. And then all of a sudden, I said, did you fall on your head when you were a baby? Do you have a plate on your head? Because I noticed you got, they got the big super magnets that would pick the car up, you know, and then put it in the shredder. And I noticed that they would never walk near that magnet because they had a plate in their head. Crazy Sal, crazy Vinny, crazy Giuseppe. Hey, you know, he, he fell on his head at birth. He's got a plate in his head. I said, Uncle Vincent. All these guys got plates in their head. Yeah, well, you know, pop out, boom, right on the Hey, they're never the same. They're never the same, man. They're stanga. Oh, I love this song. So good. I believe that these kind of songs caused me to get married so many times. I really do. And then there was Blue Magic, oh, yeah, the Stylistics, Cherry Vale, go on and on. You know, music influences people. It actually was like Prozac to me because, look, I had some anger management issues. I admit that, Ken. You know, there were certain guys I would say, hey, you want to see the curb? You see the curb down there? Yeah, I can see the curb. Bang! Now you soared up close, and it's become very personal, right? Curtis, they never had that term back then, anger management issues, right? So I would listen to music like this, and it was like, it was musical Prozac. It would calm me down. So nice. And, hey, it was my mother was playing, and she played this. She played Perry Como. She played Bobby Vinton. Wonderful. Wunderbar. Wunderbar. So I didn't go out there and then end up doing triple life without parole. This very good. You know, nowadays, the new generation, they have, they have Xanax. They have Ritalin. They have Adderall. I had Jerry Vale. Oh, so good. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I went down memory lane with so many of you, and I know a lot of you could relate to that because you were probably in the very same circumstances or 
you say to yourself, man, Curtis Lee was crazy. Yeah, mad crazy, enough to survive, take a licking and come back ticking. But, you know, if I could go back and relive all of that, I would do it in a heartbeat. I mean, those were great days. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. collection I have. I conflate the music with the topic. Just think, uh, Ken, you could have been uh, one of the in one of these boy bands like New Kids on the Block. You know, you could have been really. I hated boy bands, right? And in fact, this would make you feel like you're a tough guy. You know, yeah, I'm a tough guy. I mean, new Kids on the Block, all those giggly girls. You know. <gasps> So corny. So corny. Back Frank Morano, wherever he is, uh, probably has it on repeat on his headphones. You know, walking, throwing his chest out with his pocket protector and all the pens. I'm a tough guy, yeah. Look at, look at Ken, yeah. No, weak, please. But we got to get into this whole gambling thing. Look, it was great that it was legalized. No doubt about it. It took a lot of money away from Frank Morano's friends in organized crime. All the wire rooms, all the pain and suffering when you owed a vig because you were a degenerate gambler, and then they come... And they really hurt you. Now, they didn't want to kill you because they wanted to eventually get paid. But uh, I certainly saw some of that when I was growing up. I'll never forget in my uh, Uncle Jimmy Scavone's butcher store, I used to be delivering uh, the meat. Was, uh, what was I? Sophomore in high school. 69, 1969, summer of 69. It was raining all the time. You know, uh, some uh, were on their way to Woodstock, half a million strong. Miracle Mets uh, came out of nowhere to not only win the National League pennant, but win the World Series against the Baltimore Orioles, who I thought, no way they're going to get through the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, The moon landing that some people don't think took place. Yeah, yeah, they're they're those who don't think the moon landing took place. Thought it was technology. And, of course, the swimmer, Ted Kennedy, Chappaquiddick, so much that happened in 1969. But these uh, bulls would come in 
they were pretty sure they were banana guys at that time. My my uncle Jimmy, he would go down to um, the meat market, which was near Atlantic Avenue and Pacific uh, Avenue at that time, downtown Brooklyn. Early in the morning, he had the um, he had a station wagon. Sometimes I'd go with him. On one side would be the skeezy hookers, and the other side would be the bookies. He wasn't into skeezy hookers, but he thought that he could work formulas. Read the racing form. He'd be smoking his Chesterfield unfiltered cigarettes, and he had Sanka Instant Coffee. That was like liquid tar. Sanka Instant Coffee. My Aunt Lucy would say, Jimmy, you got to have Medallia Dora. Now, I like the Sanka Instant. Oh, my God. But anyway, so he'd work the racing form all night. He'd run off to get the... uh, um, Night Owl edition of the Daily News. People used to wait 10 o'clock at night at the candy store. I mean, the neighborhood was alive because uh, all these guys, they needed to get the paramutual fine uh, numbers uh, because they were playing the numbers. But that wasn't my Uncle Jimmy. He needed that because it had a lot of the data from the races that had already taken place. And, boy, he'd work all night. He'd try to figure out formulas. Meantime, he and Lucy, she'd go to the track She'd look at the horse and she'd say, hey, who carve out? It's talking to me. And my Uncle Jimmy would say, what do you mean, Lucy? The horse is talking. Yeah, the horse is talking to me. He's going to win the race. She'd bet on the way a horse looked, the way a horse walked, uh, that the horse was talking to her like Mr. Ed. She'd win. And my Uncle Jimmy owed a vink. So these muscle heads had come into the butcher shop in the middle of the day. You know, and I was the gut buster in the freezer. I had to make her sausage. My Uncle Jimmy would always come in and say, hey, kid, you're putting in too much veal, too much meat. You got to put in more, got to put in more pork, more pork. You know, pork costs less. You're going to kill me here. And you got to be a good gut buster. But then all of a sudden I would hear my Aunt Lucy and my Uncle Joey, actually Cousin Joey, uh, their son, and they were almost like crying outside because the bulls come and they say, hey, Jimmy, yeah, come in the back room. And then I go and I'd be checking it out. Hey, kid, get mind your own business. Get the hell out of here. And I can see they were shaking him down. Hey, you know, you got a nice family. You want to keep your family, don't you? Because he owed them a hell of a lot of money. I told this story in Fear City. Can you see? I was sitting in the barber chair with the barber I grew up with who always wanted to slit my throat because I was a rat. Now he finally had a chance to cut my hair and, uh, you know, be square. And then Rudy took over the rest of the show. He bogarted me. Uh, I thought I was going to be the star of Fear City for all of five minutes. And then the next three episodes was by Kumbana Cheech, Rudy Giuliani, talking about how they used to wire up these guys. Oh, it's great. If you haven't seen it, you got to see Fear City. I'm in the barber chair. I'm not in the red beret. I'm not in the red set. But you could tell it's me. And the guy is clipping my head. And he goes, you know, I wanted to slit your throat, Curtis, years ago because you were a rat. I said, well, you know something? I'm still a rat. This guy said, man, you, you don't ever stop, do you? I said, nope. Great. You got to check it out. But what I'm really concerned about, and I know it had to be done, I remember having a conversation with State Senator Lesniak 
from uh, Elizabeth. He was one of the uh, grand marshals of the annual Pulaski Day Parade. Uh, I became a grand marshal years later. Really nice guy, animal welfare guy, I mean, really into it. But he was always promoting legalized gambling, legalized gambling. Got to have legalized gambling, sports gambling. And a disciple of his was Shamu El Jefe Chris Christie. And they fought this right on up to the Supreme Court. And uh, that's how sports gambling became legal outside of Vegas. Because before then, it was just in the Vegas casinos, the legal sports gambling. Now it's expanded to include 36 states, the District of Columbia. And I tell you, what's really bad is I've noticed on a lot of the shows that are depicting NCAA football, we'll be talking about Herschel Walker Barack Obama, Reverend War, Warlocker, up next in the next hour. But, I mean, University of Georgia, they're on their way to be the NCAA champions. They're 13-0. and 0. Uh, Herschel could have, this weekend, been in the backfield. They would have handed off. Remember, he was the Heisman Trophy winner, I think, 1980-82. They won the championship, or it was one way or the other. But, anyway, it was a great team. And I notice they have all signage now. When you look at the college games, Caesar Entertainment, Caesar Entertainment. And they're buying their way onto the campuses like they used to years ago when they were giving out credit cards and crippling a lot of the students. You know, freshman year orientation and right away, hey, you want to sign up for a credit card? Kid couldn't even afford, you know, a cup of coffee. And now all of a sudden he's walking around, hey, got a credit card. Now they're doing the same thing with sports gambling. And I want you to hear an interview. I did not do it. It was actually excellent of uh, Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly, who uh, is opposed to gambling, but he was able to eviscerate a young man who does sports at our mothership station, WABC, Mike Dedino, who actually explained to him that he doesn't just do sports reports. He does an excellent job of that but that he is a degenerate gambler, like Frank Morano is a degenerate gambler, not sports gambling, although sometimes he dabbles. But shooting craps at the Borgata because he's a schnorrer. He schnores everything. But this kid, Mike Dino, is deep into sports betting, and I've seen a lot of other young men who are totally into that. I mean, they pour every nickel, diamond, bet. We're not talking fantasy football, fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, although you can bet on that. I'm talking about just constantly, like, addicted, playing all kinds of action to the point where you wonder, where the hell did they get the money from? Well, just listen, listen a little bit. You realize that Dave Portnoy has a lot of influence, and a lot of guys want to be like him, and it sounds like you kind of now. Would you be gambling if it wasn't for Dave Portnoy? No, I I've, I've, I mean, sports is my life, and I enjoy gambling, and I enjoy, you know, just the thrill of it, honestly. I mean, it probably sounds bad, and it's not a great habit to have, and I agree with you. It, it does push bad habits, but at the end of the day, people have to take accountability, and if you do gamble, you have to be responsible. E3. Sports, sports, sports. So we look at the field. 
the players are making money. The broadcasters are making all kinds of money. The stadium is making all kinds of money. Everybody's making out like bandits except the fans, quite frankly. It's the ones who were there, they got to spend money to be there. The ones who are watching, a couple of things are going down. The time, the, the enormous amount of time you guys spend watching sports, and now the money. So think of that. This young man, excellent sports reporter, reports sports for WABC. As a podcast, like everybody in the world. My plumber has a podcast. My dentist has a podcast. The whole world has a podcast. I'm not listening to anybody's freaking podcast. I do live and local radio. That is what I believe in. I know we have podcasts. I know everybody does podcasts. To me, it's the flavor of the day. It's like years ago, oh, all of a sudden you had all kinds of comedy Comedy stores open up. Oh, you got to do oh, open mic. No, you don't. Yes, yeah, everybody's going to be a comedian. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, 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 they're not. Now try to find a comedy store, right? You'd be hard-pressed to. I mean, there used to be one on every block. It was the flavor of the day. Now it's podcast, the flavor of the day. And I love it. Person will say, yeah, I do a podcast. Oh, how many people listen? How many impressions you have? 550,000. Oh, you bought all those bots on Spotify, huh? You think I'm a schmuck? You think uh, I don't know what's going on with those podcasts? It's like uh, when people, they ask you, well, how many magazines were sold? They hype that. Just like newspapers, circulation. It's all hype. Podcasts. Uh, what was Ted Cruz said? 50 million impressions. Get out of here. Go back to praying to God. Maybe God will tell you to run for president again. It's all bots. And you're oobots if you end up listening to podcasts. What kind of a life do you have if you're just sitting and listening to podcasts? Oh, you know, I listen to eight podcasts a day. Whoa, you must have a really exciting life. What, do you scratch your belly while you're listening? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now, that was uh, Mike Dedino. He's into sports gambling. Then we got our own Frank Marano. Maradona, given an opportunity if he can cut and run. If we had to put out a search party right now, because I have no idea where he is. I don't know if I'll be here in another 24 hours or the next day or the following day. I'll I'll gladly be here today uh, and then pay you for the hamburger on Tuesday, right? I, I mean, I'll eat up the real estate. But Frank, I mean, listen to him talking about casino winning. I would say, you know, it depends on the year. So I used to say I'd win um, about half the time. Then I'd say I'd win about one out of every three trips that I was going. And then I hit a dry streak. I think I was winning one out of every four trips. Last year, I haven't been this year yet, but last year I did very well. I think with Atlantic City, the Catskills, and Vegas, I think I won on almost every trip. The only trip that I, I think, I think I lost maybe in 10 or 11 casino outings. I think I came out a net loser maybe once or twice. Uh, could we take that cut and send it to the IRS? You think he paid taxes on that? Come on. Come on. And then... Uh... As a Howley, as a white boy, he's going to explain the gambling phenomenon of the Chinese, of the Asians. If not for Chinese and Asians, 
jumping on those buses after working 12-hour days and then gambling 12 hours at the local casinos. Half these casinos would be out of business. But Frank, oh, he's the expert on Baccarat. Not an Asian guy or a Chinese guy. It has to be Frank. Baccarat is the easiest game in the world. I don't even like to tell people how easy it is because I enjoy, when I'm at the Baccarat table, being the only person that's not Chinese because a lot of Western non-Asian players are intimidated because there's a lot of Chinese players there and they're all speaking Chinese to one another and they have dragons and monkeys and they have a big board and people think it's a complicated game. It's not. It's almost the equivalent of betting on a coin toss and uh, it's, it's difficult for me to explain without a visual cue, but the way it works is There are two, and there are all sorts of bets you could make. There are only two bets that I make, banker and player. Now, you have to pick which hand, banker or player, is going to be closer to nine. So it really is like betting on a coin toss. Um, Tens and picture cards are zero. So if you get a nine and a ten, let's say, they call that a natural nine. If you get... Uh, a 10 and an 8, that's a natural 8. No more cards. Now, if it's anything less than, uh, I think, a, a 6 for the, uh, a 6 or a 5, then, or excuse me, a 6 or a 7, then they draw a third card, but the rules are still the same. Whoever is closest to 9 wins. So you're betting, basically, is it going to be A or B that's closer to 9? Um, but I, I've done well. I, I mean, I, it's not unusual for me to p- play Baccarat and win thousands. My last trip to uh, to Atlantic City, I don't want to get into exactly how much that I, I won, but I played mostly Baccarat and, and won a, a pretty healthy amount of money. Why don't we contact the IRS, right? Don't they have 85,000 new agents who are going to need people to shake down? Man. Now, you know, you know he's BSing. You know, that's what gamblers do. Oh, I win all the time. No, you don't. Gamblers lose. The house wins. The gamblers lose. And that's why, at times, Frank has no money in the bank. I'm swiping, swiping, swiping. The light never turns green. It's red. It's red. It won't let me access the ATM. Then I said, all right, well, I have another debit card for a wife uh, for an account that I share with my wife. Let me see if I could use that other debit card. Maybe the strip is something's wrong with the strip. I try that. Won't won't work. So the this particular bank, the door is not working. Usually you can get in with a swipe of the ATM card and and get in and make deposits or whatever else. I was going to deposit my check, which would have allowed me to do two things. One, have a little more money in there. And two, check my deposit to see how much money I have in my account so I know how much gas I can afford to buy. No dice. So now I walk around to the drive through ATM. There's two ATMs at this particular bank branch. So I walk around to the drive through ATM. I try, to, uh, I try to swipe my ATM there. Not working. Not working. Not working. I wonder why. I wonder why, Frank. But he always says, and you know it's bull feathers, put the hip-hugging boots on because you got to rake through all the flotsam and jetsam here that he's the big winner. Uh, I'm the big winner because I was able to make that deposit. I guess it takes a day or two. 
to clear, and then I'll have that money to uh, to pay some bills. So I, I have enough gasoline for at least a couple of days, and then once this check clears, I'll be able to buy more gasoline. So it's uh, I'm the big big winner overall. Really. And then all of a sudden, I'm listening one morning because I listen intently Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. He's such a degenerate gambler that he had to sell his car in order to go to the casino, the Borgata, where he was snoring everything he could, but losing his BVDs and Fruit of the Loom shooting craps. This is great. Thank you, Loretta. Yeah, this could be big. You know what? The only thing that's giving me some pause is do I want to deal with the dual hassle of one getting the auto loan to come up with $16,000 and then two uh, selling this car right and then you got to pay taxes on whatever you earn so i don't know i i, I do like the idea of having another $10,000 think about what i could turn that $10,000 into at the at the baccarat table think about that I roll into Atlantic City with let's say i'm not going to gamble with it all let's say i roll into there with $5,000 forget about it They'll, they'll give me the town. They'll give me the whole town. They'll give me the keys. They'll give me the keys to the Borgata by the time I leave there. Notice how excited he is. He's just like bursting, full of enthusiasm. I never hear him like that other than when he's talking about gambling. And you know he's going to lose. Like almost everybody loses. And then, once again, what does he talk about? Winning at the casinos. I would say, you know, it depends on the year. So I used to say I'd win um, about half the time. Then I'd say I'd win about one out of every three trips that I was going. And then I hit a dry streak. I think I was winning one out of every four trips. Last year, I haven't been this year yet, but last year I did very well. I think... With Atlantic City, the Catskills, and Vegas, I think I won on almost every trip. The only trip that I, I think, I think I lost maybe in ten or eleven casino outings. I think I came out a net loser maybe once or twice. Um, but I like to do a lot of things other than gamble in Atlantic City. There are some of the best restaurants in the world. Uh, yeah. I, I like to go there. I like to go to some of the ba- the bars there, both the more modern ones, the fancier ones, and some of the old fashioned dive bars. But one of my absolute favorite things to do is slowly walk the boardwalk, do a leisurely stroll on the boardwalk, ideally um, w- with a cigar. And uh, you just see and experience so many different things. And then there's so many different things to do on the boardwalk. There's so many questions that arise about the history. It's the longest boardwalk in America. And my wife can't do the whole uh, four miles or whatever it is. But I, a perfect afternoon for me is to take 45 minutes or an hour and slowly walk the entire length of the boardwalk. See, that's what he is, a schnorrer. He gives the whole history of Atlantic City. He's promoting restaurants, bars, and you know what he's looking for. He's looking for the old pair that's going to be available at no cost to take care of Carmine. He's looking for an opportunity for Rachel to shop till she drops. You know, they basically say, oh, Frank, he's going to lose all of his money. So, hey, you know, we give him a little tchotchke. The wife is happy. She's uh, She's got uh, an account. You know, she can buy apparel. And we milk Frank and all of his friends. In fact, this was dastardly. Frank met this woman, Mary, from Hoboken. Who's like a big fan of Joe Piscopo. And the moment that they hooked up and they became friends, 
Frank was taking her along with a lot of other listeners on the Greyhound, pounding the hound to Atlantic City. Now, whenever I hear Mary calling up Joe Piscopal, where is she? Atlantic City. Let me welcome to my house the one, the only, calling in Hoboken Mary on the line. <laughs> Mary, how are you, darling? Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, Joe, you got to forgive me. I didn't hear any of your show because you know where I am again, Joe. <laughs> You know where I am. A C A B C D E. Oh man, and- <laughs> look at you! Look at you! Yeah, and- did you leave? Did you leave, or did you stay down there from the last time we no, talked? No, I'm huh? saying to- no. Yeah, no. I left a month, a couple of weeks ago, Joe, and I came today at twelve o'clock, and I'm with uh, a couple of new friends that Ooh, I know from down out. here. And oh. I'm sorry I didn't hear the whole show tonight, Joe. We, but you're doing it from home, you said? <laughs> I am. We have so much going on. It's all great. You know, we have my, my, big, my big segment. But you know what? I'll, and just for you, I think we'll just do the next two hours. We'll, re, we'll repeat. But you just let us know when you need to hear it. And we're, we'll repeat it again <laughs> no, for you, Mary. I got them all, Joe. I got everyone that I was on, Joe. I listen all the time. I listen you're all the, the time. My daughter says, don't call him anymore. I go, oh, come on. I want to talk to him. So you I was got- just eating it. And then the girl said to me, why don't you call your friend? I go, no, it's late. It's 746. Well, you could try. So I said, okay, I'll try. And that's what I did. So, but I can't let the night go by without saying hello. And oh, Joe, I said, 1985, uh, Sinatra got the award from Stevens. Remember the Stevens? In yeah, Hoboken. In Hoboken. Stephen Institute. Got the award in 1985. Sure, sure. Yeah. I remember the yeah. Hoboken Institute of Technology because he wanted to be an engineer and he wanted to right. go there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Mary, you could call any time. Happy to. Is Thanksgiving okay with the family? Mary. Very nice. Yeah, my son had to come in from Florida. They had a little a little uh, thing to do, you know, with the yeah. awake and stuff like that. But that's right. okay. It worked Ma- out fine. It worked M- out fine. Mary, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Listen, watch it. Don't well, don't spend you. all your don't spend all your money down there, Mary. Come come on. Don't happy. you worry about me. I'm like a little tight wad. Don't worry. <laughs> we love you. Happy Thanksgiving, Mary, to you and the family. And I love may you. Talk to you soon. We love can you. work something out with Stevens, Joe. <laughs> you got it. I got right? a good idea. Thank you, thank you, Mary. God bless you, girl. So. That's who's running with Frank and a lot of his listeners. Mary from uh, the Joe Piscopo Show. She's a tightwad. Let me tell you something about Frank. He's got alligator arms. Alligator arms. There has got to be, and Matt Blaze, he doesn't want to reveal it. Alex, the brown-nosed producer, can vapid as he is. It's got to be now about 28 to 30 people who travel down to the Borgata who are like friends of Frank. Friends of Frank, F-O-F, which means you're going to lose your money. Friends of Frank. Poor Mary there. She's probably living on Social Security. She loves Joe Piscopo, right? Listens like you all should every Sunday from 6 to 8. And you're going to hear Mary. She calls up every week from Atlantic City because she's been lured there by who? Frank Morano, a degenerate gambler. What a schnorrer. He's an old-fashioned schnorrer. God, I mean, if given the opportunity of doing radio or shooting craps, what would Frank Morano do? He's got one choice, one choice only. It's like that scene, remember, in uh, Deer Hunter? Remember where they got Robert De Niro, the Asian guys, right? And they got Christopher Walken, and Walken is like, he's like ready to break down. And De Niro, click, 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 
Oh, that's a great scene, right? That's the only time I saw Christopher Walken weak. Weak. Ever seen him in King of New York? Oh, man, that's Psycho Boy. That's Psycho Boy. But in Deer Hunter, he he, he blinked. Not De Niro. Oh! <laughs> and then they pulled their toolies out and blew all those Asian guys away. Oh, what a great movie. Frank Morano, he's a... He's a real degenerate gambler. I know there are a lot of them out there. You know, it's like, can he afford to do that? He's got a little car mine now, right? He's got the mortgage. You know, he's living the American dream, you know, not far from where he grew up. He's a purple pirate from Tallentine, Violet from uh, NYU, you know, Beastie Boys. And yet every nickel, diamond, penny he's got, Goes to the crap tables in the Borgata. Unbelievable. And then I understand he's giving instructions now at the Borgata, you know, to all these suckers that he, uh, like Mary and everybody else that he lures there. We got to do an intervention. Remember when uh, in the Sopranos, Tony Soprano, Paulie Walnuts had to go to the Poconos where Chrissy was going through rehab because, you know, he's a cokehead. Remember, he got all fresh and all wise, and they had to stomp him out. I think we're going to have to do that. I think it is incumbent on you guys who have taken the code of Omerta. Matt Blaze, you've been in and out of prison a few times. That's why you have the aliases. Ken, this will be a new experience for you. And, of course, Alex, you know, he'll have to forget uh, playing in that band of misfits. You just you have to follow Frank to the Borgata, and you really got to take him aside and smack him around. He spends all of his money there. He gets all these free perks like he's a whale because he lures so many of our listeners there. I know, I know what's going on. I'm an old school radio guy, thirty five years. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire Clothes may still be torn and tattered. That's Frank. But in my heart, I'd be a king. He feels that way before he starts shooting craps. Love is all 
that ever matter. By the time they uh, take all of his money, it's feels like a pauper. He's got that Jones in him. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Ed in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eddie. Hey, Curtis. I was listening to Frank, uh, I think it was the day or two before Thanksgiving, and somehow he got along the subject of Atlantic City, and he's like, gee, I wonder if any of the shops are open. Does anybody, is anybody out there who's got eyes on looking at the boardwalk? Are there any shops open? And you could tell he was jonesing to be there. He just wanted to be, he wanted the vibe. He wanted to know what was going on, you know. He wanted the man on the street to tell him what was going on, you know. Like, um, uh, gee, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. Well, right well now. Ed, but let I, me ask you a question. What do you think we could do here at WABC? Because I think we got to do an intervention. I mean, this guy lives for Atlantic City. If if you gave him five hours, he'd figure out a way to get down there, shoot some crap shit to Bordaga, Borgata, and then get back. Yeah, you, well, you just stole the words right out of my mouth, but you've been talking about it. And intervention is needed because that's – it's a disease. And you know what? I, I drank for many years, and drinking is a disease. A lot of things aren't recognized, especially by the person who's abusive, and gambling is one, you know. And uh, I don't know how you would do that. And I, I, I can tell you consider him a friend, you know, even though, you know, friends rag on each other. That's 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 the thing we do, you know. But to be a better friend, you have to step in and say, listen, you got a kid now. You got to take care of yourself. He's, you're talking about the bank accounts and stuff. And the once you start delving into your, your family's bank account and stuff, you know, things are really sour, you know. Yeah. Time to, time to go. Time to make the move. Well, I notice and, uh, he, he gets this look in his eye in which yeah. he thinks he can conquer the world. You know, when he's got that those dice, and remember, this is this is how far he's gone, Ed. He thought that he could sneak some dice in that was shaved so no. that he'd have the edge over the house. So you get beat down for that, man. Yeah, not so only you- that. You get banned from all casinos because they they have photo recognition technology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he couldn't even shoot craps in a dive in Reno after that. Oh man, yeah. That's about it. That's that's about as low as you can go, Reno. You you can't even shoot in the back alley. They have all your info. Well, you know, he he tried to experiment. He talked to me because I'm the street guy. He goes. You think I could shoot three low, uh, C-Lo, you know, with three dice, four, five, six on the backhand side? I said, Frank, Frank, you have a difficult enough time with two dice shooting normal craps. You don't want to deal with C-Lo, and especially if you get the Jones, you'll be standing out there with the brothers, you know, right next to the curb. They got the money on the ground. They're shooting three dice C-Lo, and then all of a sudden, a brother's going to say, 5-0, They're going to come and sweep up all the money, and then Frankie, all he'll have is, like, his belly button lint. Yeah. Do you know what 5-0-1 is? 5-0-2? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, Ed, yeah. this guy, next thing, he's going to be shooting craps outside of Park Hill, Stapleton, North Shore, Staten Island. But with the All brothers, right. it's CeeLo, three dice, four, five, six on the backhand side. Although the 
The Chinese, they play a version of that. You're not going to beat them at their own game. But Frank, oh, Baccarat, oh, I'm the expert. No, you're not. No, you're not. Come out, roll. New shooter coming out. All right. Uh, we got eight. Eight. Eight easy. He's instructing people that he is lured to the Borgata on how to lose money. You know, there's some things you just don't do in talk radio. You got to be able to separate the professional from the personal. I don't understand why. And you guys let him do this, Matt Blaze, Ken, Alex, you brown-nosed producer. You, you let him do this. You let him crawl into the belly of the beast. He's got little Carmine, right? He's got to go for a payday loan. You know, it's illegal in New York. He's got to do it in, in Jersey. You know what the vig is on a payday loan? My, no, no, my. Worse than what his friends, the Gambino family, would charge him. You know, the street the street money. God. Let's go to Ron in Michigan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ron. Good morning, Curtis. Curtis, I want to talk to you a little bit about Chicago, my family, mafia, gambling. I had one uncle who was a bookie, okay, in the 50s. He was murdered. That was when the mob in Chicago was consolidating all their uh, independent bookies. Now, I can't say that my other uncle did the job, but he got a beautiful bowling alley after that. And, uh, you know, we used to go to the bowling alley, beautiful bowling alley, nice. And, you you know, at night you see these guys dressed real nice, suit coats, and and they're going upstairs, you know. And I asked my uncle, I said, Uncle Charlie, I said, what's going on up there? And he says, none of your business, just bowl, you know. But, uh, you know, Uncle Charlie was a really great guy. I loved him. And, now, let me, uh, ask, let me ask you a question, Ron, because part of me, remember, part of me is Italian. Italians don't like bowling. Polish, it's their national sport, sparkle ball. Um, of which are you? Are you closer to Polish or closer to Italian, Ron? Oh, no, no, no Polish, uh, um, Italian, mostly Italian. But, uh, you know, that, that uh, bowling alley it did real good, but... He uh, got associated with other bowling alleys, and uh, there was arson. Firemen got got killed in the fire. And no, 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 like hold that. on a second. Hold on a second. Right? What you meant was they were torching the bowling alley for the insurance money, right? Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah that's uh, what happened. Yeah, yeah. Little, uh, they called it Jewish lightning, Jewish electricity. So, so Frank, you know, if he's listening, you know, there's a downside to that uh, gambling. And, you know, in my opinion, Curtis, all this gambling that's going on now all over, it's all still controlled by the same Jewish-Italian mafia families from the 30s, 40s, 50s. Oh, goes way back. Goes way back to Bugsy Siegel. Remember Bugsy, Bugsy Siegel, Lower East Side? They floated him the money to build the first hotel out in the desert, middle of the desert. He saw things that nobody else saw. Then Meyer Lansky, a.k.a. Hyman Roth, comes out there and says, Bugsy, Bugsy, I got to go back to the boys. Tell them you've lost your mind. Say, no, 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 buy me a little more time. You'll see. You'll see. <sighs> Meyer went back, told the boys, and they say, we got to whack him. And so all of a sudden, he's there in Hollywood. Through this picture plate glass window, Bugsy Siegel with a drop. Dead platinum blonde sitting on the couch, 
you know, preparing to make his move, and they made his move on him first. Through the window, they shot him like 52 times. Yeah, I guess Meyer Lansky couldn't give him a little more time. And yet, who turned out to be right? Bugsy Bug Siegel. Look at Vegas now. He was right. The boys were wrong. Let me tell you my experience. Because I'm uh, 68 going on 69. I used to go to uh, Harry's Candy Store. Harry, uh, Mostly it was Jewish guys who had candy stores, or they call them luncheonettes. And it would always be in one of the side areas there, the booth, an old-fashioned bookie. He had a pencil, a paper, which he tucked into the lining of his pants just in case 5-0 came and pinched him. He'd use coded letters when he wrote about money, like um, A equals two bucks. Kind of figure it out, you know, alphabet tied to the money. Even guy like Ken could figure that out, the moron that he is. He even had sort of what I guess he called an office in a quiet residential neighborhood, so you didn't attract a lot of attention. And then you, you find yourself a nice widow who needs the money. You, you pay her about 50 bucks a month to use a basement. All you needed is a little refrigerator. And in the butter tray, wrapped in aluminum foil, you keep the bets. Because if the cops raid you, right, you can't have the policy wheels on you. You can't have the slips on you or you're going to jail. And then what happened? OTB came off track betting. Howie the Horse Samuels. How many people out there remember Howie the Horse Samuels? He so desperately wanted to be governor of New York, but he actually helped create off-track betting. Off-track betting no longer exists in New York City. You know who eliminated it? My husband-in-law, the governor, former governor of uh, New York State, uh, David Patterson, who is the stepfather of my oldest son, Anthony, does a great job there. But he eliminated OTB in the city. But if you go out to Long Island, right, you got OTB out there, which is very confusing. But when OTB came about and they got all those uh, storefronts throughout the five boroughs back in the 70s, everybody thought that it would affect the bookies business. And yet the local bookies were ecstatic. They did better than ever. Legal horse betting led people into other areas like football, baseball, betting. And back then, you couldn't bet legally on those sports in New York, not like now, you know, with the app. When bettors gamble, they lose in the long run. This Frank Morano, you're going to lose in the long run. And remember, the city doesn't give you credit. They didn't give you credit out of OTB. That's why you'd go to the bookie. And the gamblers will lose, whether at OTB or with the bookie. But they need the credit. And that's when they have to come to the bookie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And remember, bookies, it's not like they played in in the movies. You know, like all of a sudden, a bookie, they're going to break your arm or bop you over the head if you didn't pay. Nah, nah, nah. That's what they had enforcers for. The bookie, 
He wanted to be your friend because he wanted you to keep coming back and borrowing more and more money at a high VIG. So OTB actually encouraged more betting. The whole idea of selling OTB was, oh, it'll take it out of the bookie's hands. Well, it did. But it just encouraged people to gamble. And when you're gambling on horses, you started gambling on the dogs. You went to the highlight track. That's right. Out in Bridgeport. What the hell? You didn't even know what the hell that was. Guys, uh, wicker baskets, throwing this ball up against the wall. They're supposedly Basques. And you'd look at them and say, you look like a Puerto Rican, not like you're from Spain. Shh, don't say anything. You talk about a rigged game. The biggest rigged game was highlight. Go down to Holly, Hollywood. No, 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 not California. Hollywood, Florida. They had the highlight uh, arena there. These boss guys would be in the back. You win. You win this time. We lose. And we'll bet on it ourselves. What a rigged game. And so many, oh, got to go to Highline and Bridgeport. What? Got to go to the dog track. Run around the dog. The Greyhound, you know, chasing a little rabbit. And then they jump right into the, the net. And then they bring him in the back. And all they do is change numbers on him and then bring him out again. And I'm looking at him and I say, that's the same dog that was running before. Shut your mouth. You wise guy, huh? No, no, you're the wise guys. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Steve calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here, Steve. All right, Big Curtis. And uh, off-track betting had more problems than just betting and money in New York City. They had a big scandal with the Dinkins administration with Hazel Dukes when she wanted to clear out the place. And I think Abbott and Costello ran a better horse racing bit than uh, off-track betting. <laughs> OTB, right, right, is the only, in New York City, is the only gambling outfit to lose money. Now, you think about that, a gambling outfit losing money. And you had all the horse players out there playing with their cheap cigars. Um, but Hazel Dukes wanted to, and she's on record as saying, she wanted to clear out all the top uh, white workers' supervision in uh, in off-track betting, and she did get she did fire them and everything. But eventually, they did lose um, they did lose the lawsuit, the city to those workers. They did win uh, damages, financial damages. Every one of those individuals who got fired, they were on the campaign trail for Rudy. They were climbing telephone poles, nailing in posters for Rudy because they really. I mean, these guys lost their careers at OTB just because they happened to be the wrong color at the time, and Hazel Duke had a big chip on his shoulder. You know, that's but, very yeah. good. That's very, very Steve, you're spot on about off-track betting, the house of patronage. I mean, that was like the last vestiges of patronage because you didn't have to know anything. The local, uh, local uh, Democratic club would find you a position at OTB. In fact... Guy like Frank Morano, if OTB were around, he'd go in smoking a Cohiba. By the time they'd finish with him, he'd be smoking a Tipperillo, a Dutch master Tipperillo. I mean, guys would do that all the time. Oh, I'm going to beat OTB. No, you're not. No, you're not. 1-800-848-9222. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, 
Let me ask you a question before he passed off uh, to musical heaven, Kenny Rogers. If he had had one more facelift, right? Would have snapped uh, his face would have snapped like an old rubber man. What the hell did he do to himself? He looked like a gargoyle. I don't know what it was. He was looking in the mirror. I don't know what he was looking at. He didn't need he didn't need a nip in a tuck. He ended up looking like a gargoyle. See Axel Rose lately? Boy, that's a gargoyle. My God. He just finished like a world tour, two years on tour. Oh, my God. What the hell happened to Axl Rose? And Mickey Rourke, you know, the Pope of Greenwich Village. You look at Mickey Rourke, you say, did somebody hit you in the face with a brick? And they, they, they look at themselves in the mirror and they, oh, man, well, I look uh, manly uh, like a, a GQ man. No, you don't. I don't know what they see. I would suggest this, though, to Frank Morano. Look, there's nothing that can help you, Frank. There's no, no plastic surgery in the world can help you. Just leave it alone. But I'll tell you this much. This is what you got to do, guys, because I know you're taking the coat of Amanda, but I'm concerned about Frank, the degenerate gambler. I really am. I know Alex, she's not going to drop dime on him or ride him out because she... You know, he's a brown nose. He's got his schnoz all the way up Frank's uh, tuchus. And you can, you're vapid, so you wouldn't know. You wouldn't be able to figure it out anyway. But, hey, Matt Blaze, you've been around a few times. Well, and all of a sudden, he's making up stories and said, you know, I was mugged on the way to work. Uh, I lost the deposit. Then you know the guy is in the Jones of owing way too much money. Let's go if we can. Harry calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard, Harry. Yeah, hey, Curtis. How you doing? You and I know one another. How do we know one another? Because we we had lunch one day with your father and Ed Parker and uh, Sean Kelly. Oh, Uh, oh, yeah. Ooh, Ed Parker. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. What a great guy he was. What a great guy. He was absolutely fantastic. And I, I was a student of Ed Parker's, and I, I got called in to do the lunch with you guys. Yeah, what an amazing martial artist. What an amazing mentor to hundreds of people who uh, took his style. A lot of people would go all the way out to Hawaii to uh, just sit and talk with him and just sort of like wean his information. Well, he you know, it was unfortunate because... He had passed away in 1990, uh, actually December 15th, 1990. He passed away at uh, in Honolulu while he was picking up the, the uh, his luggage from the carousel. Yeah, he had a mass he had a massive heart attack and passed away. Yeah, but a tremendous guy who helped so many people in understanding the importance of martial arts, not just to abuse it, not just to walk around and stick your chest out, uh, but the history of martial arts, the sacredness of it, the fact that you use it to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Yeah, no, he was just first a five-star top shelf. Well, you know, the reason why I called it was you had mentioned uh, Howard Samuels. Yes. Well, when I was starting out in business some years back, 
Okay, I got a phone call from Howard Samuels to to come in and meet him because he had his son, who was one of the top echelon kids, who got who got busted at Kennedy Airport for bringing uh, some uh, illegal stuff in. Ah, uh, illegal stuff. Well, you can only figure that out, Cookin. Ah, huh? we'll, we'll talk about that on another day, Harry. Up next. I got Georgia on my mind, Herschel. I got Warlock. I got Obama. But we ain't got no Joe Biden and no Donald Trump. They're staying away. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I'd like to be able to... Anyway. I'm... My mind's going blank now. What's happening? I can't remember. Lose track. My mind's going blank now. What are you talking about? What the hell's going on here? Where the door? My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I don't think as the idea that um, the um, the political coverage. I want to thank and recognize Dr. John John King King song. Yeah, this is uh, number one in the clubs throughout America, especially in the heartland. You want everyone to get up and start shaking their booty? All you got to do is playing uh, My Mind's Going Blank featuring uh, President Joe Biden. Anyway. I'm, my mind's going blank now. I don't think uh, the president can chew gum and think at the same time. He's got to go. It's out with the old and in with the new. Notice, they don't want him in Georgia, right? No, leave Joe Biden uh, in his basement there in Delaware. But then again, Herschel didn't want Trump, especially after what he said. Oh, wrote on his own social networking calling for suspending the Constitution over the 2020 election results. Whoa! Herschel, uh, thank you, but no thank you. So now, who do we got? We don't got Donald Trump. Stay away. We don't have uh, Joe Biden. Stay away in the waning moments of the Georgia election for the U.S. Senate seat. Let me just give you the analytics. About 2 million people have participated in early voting in the runoff between uh, Senator Warlock, as I call him, and uh, Herschel Walker. Now, that means that about 136,000 mail-in ballots and one million seven hundred and fifteen thousand in person. The electorate that has shown up to vote so far, 
32% black, much higher than this point in the general election and more than the share of registered black voters. That's not good for Herschel, as he's winning the white vote. Meantime, there are still close to 90,000 absentee ballots that can be mailed back. Polling places, obviously, are going to be able to uh, handle who's ever left to vote on Tuesday. And then with about 70, with about all these folks, 2 million people who have voted early, 75% of those who voted early so far have been in the age of 50 plus. The rest, 65 plus, young people are not voting, not voting early. You know, typical of hipsters and millennials, people like Ken, you know, they're too busy uh, doing their uh, New York Times puzzle, right? Of course not. Uh, and just not being consumed by this election. So basically it's people 50-plus and 65-plus who are voting, which is very typical and normal because they consider that almost like a religious vocation. I know that's the way my parents viewed it. they get dressed up in their Sunday best. They'd stand online for hours if necessary. This new generation, it's sort of like, wait, if they can't shake and bake and just vote and go, Use a scanner. They don't. They don't want to vote. Everybody should vote. Everybody should try to vote, or at least be heard. So let's uh, deal with the Mashiach of the Democratic Party, Barack Obama, who is now a billionaire. You believe that the guy's a billionaire? When he was a Howley, a wannabe Howley. Basically, a white boy in Oahu and Hawaii. You see how that volcano is just like, mud on my, the lava flows. When he was in uh, Oahu, and by the way, he was not in Indonesia or Kenya. Um, he was actually smoking Maui Wawi and Hindu Kush. He wrote that in his memoirs. He goes, he wanted to be a surf boy. But I guess that wasn't going to be his life. Now he's the golden orator. He can do no wrong. When all else fails, reel back Joe Biden and put him in the closet or in the basement and bring out Barack Obama. Since the last time I was here, Mr. Walker has been talking about issues that are of great importance to the people of Georgia. Like whether it's better to be a vampire or a werewolf. This is a debate that I must confess I once had myself (laughs) when I was seven. (laughs) Then I grew up. In case you're wondering, by the way, Mr. Walker decided he wanted to be a werewolf, which is great. As far as I'm concerned, he can be anything he wants to be. Except for a United States Senator. Oh, that was smooth. That was a smooth setup. Now, both these candidates, you would think uh, Reverend Warlock is smooth. Not. But let's go to that very reason that Barack Obama was focused in on Herschel Walker. It was about being either a vampire or a wolf. 
Oh, do you ever watch a stupid movie late at night hoping it's going to get better, don't get better, but you keep watching it anyway? Because the other night, the other night I was watching this movie, I was watching this movie called Fright Night, Freak Night, or some type of night, but it was about vampires. I don't know if you know vampires are cool people, are they not? But I'm going to tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Did you know that? I never knew that, so I didn't want to be a vampire anymore. I wanted to be a werewolf. But then, anyway, as I'm watching this movie, and then you tell how stupid it is because it's one in the morning. So I'm watching my TV. Are these kids watching their TV or a vampire kill on their TV? So you know it's kind of stupid, but I'm still watching, though. As I'm watching this show, what was funny, these kids had a vampire in their attic at their house. So they were watching their TV. Now, I'm watching my TV. Are they watching their TV? Or they see the vampire killer on their TV? So they win this contest to bring this actor. Now, y'all got to stay with me. Bring this actor who's a vampire killer from that TV to get rid of this real-life vampire in that attic. So as this actor comes to their home, he got all the right stuff. He got all the right stuff because you know, got to have a state and got to have a thing to, to kill him in the heart. And he got a necklace of garlic because that worked. I don't know what it does, but it worked. You got to have a cross because it burns. I know that worked. And then all of a sudden, this is what was so funny about it. As they're walking through the house... This, 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 this guy's got the holy water. He's blessing the house, this actor. Now, he's all fake. He's blessing the house with his holy water. They walked upstairs, and this vampire looking real good in this black suit. Whoa, that sounds like Senator Warnock, doesn't it? Looking all good in this black suit. Floated from the ceiling. He floated from the ceiling looking good and cool. And I'm thinking, whoa, they better get out of that house. If somebody float from your ceiling, get out of that house. That's, that's not your house. But as he floated from the ceiling, the kids jumped behind that hero. As they jumped behind that hero, the guy jumped in front of him with this holy water, threw it on the vampire's forehead. He covered his eyes. And he took his hand away. He started laughing. And he said, that don't work. He took the cross and put it on the vampire's forehead. And the vampire didn't even do anything. He said, that don't work. And that's the way it is in our life. It doesn't work unless you got faith. It is time for us to have faith. We got to have faith in our fellow brother. We got to have faith in this country. What the hell was he talking about? Vapid uh, Kent. What was he talking about? Do you, do you know what he was talking about, Kent? You can speak. Don't worry about it. You know, it's uh, it's all right. It won't destroy the image that you've already created of not being able to speak and string seven words together. Well, what did you think of all that, Ken? Curtis, I don't think anybody in their right mind could understand what the hell he was talking about. All right. What about you, uh, Matt Blaze, man who is a fugitive from law? I'm, oh, I, I would almost bet my life on it. He was talking about werewolves and vampires. So you were cognizant of what he was talking about. <laughs> he was talking about a movie. I mean, he's on a campaign trail to be the next senator. He's talking about Fright Night, which is a movie that came out in the 80s and then was remade later on. And that's what's on his mind while he has a well, runoff. Well, look, uh, as you know, he already went through a grueling battle. It led to the runoff. I mean, they, they're campaigning every day. You know, he needs a little release, you know, fright night. He just he wanted to share that. It's like a reverend. I want to share with you a message that I got from God. In this case, he got the message from werewolves and vampires. But, look, Warlock is no piece of work either, right? You would think, oh, the pearly words are going to drip from his lips. Pastor of the church, where the previous pastor decades ago was Martin Luther King's father, and then Martin Luther King Jr. too. 
Here he is. He's talking about cutting off the head of a snake. No, this is not her show. This is the other guy, the Reverend Warlock. If you cut the head off of a snake, it shakes and moves violently, not because it is living, but because it is dying. The power concedes nothing without a demand. And so there is both victory in this moment and there is violence in this moment. There is fantastic opportunity and fierce opposition and it reminds us that there is still a whole lot of work to do. What the hell is he talking about, Ken? Chopping off the head of a snake. I don't know. Maybe he's talking about uh, Ben Frank's join or die drawing of the snake being chopped up in pieces. Oh, very good. That's it. That's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I give you points for that. What about you, Matt Blaze, fugitive from the law? I just think of Conan the Barbarian. Remember when he chopped off the snake guy's head? Was that was that uh, James Earl Jones? Oh, Remember man. that? Yeah, he yeah. chopped his head off. Oh my God. <laughs> These are the two guys who are battling it out. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, if anybody out there can interpret what uh, Warlock said or before that Herschel Walker, feel free to give us a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then all of a sudden, Herschel going to get spiritual. He's going to talk Old Testament. He's going to talk Cain and Abel. Cain, Kia, Abel. You know, and uh, you know, and that's the problem that we have. And I said, what we need to do is look into how we can stop those things. You know, he talked about doing a disinformation. What about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at uh, women that's looking at uh, just social media? What about doing that, looking into things like that, and we can stop that that way? But yet they want to just continue to talk about taking away your constitutional rights. What the hell was he talking about? Matt Plays, uh, do you have any idea where the hell he was going with Cain and Abel? He didn't even tell the story of Cain and Abel. He just mentioned it. That one I have no idea. <laughs> I'm totally lost. By no the clue. way, Ken, uh, runway model, vapid as you oftentimes are on the uh, with Frank Morano. Uh, do you have any idea what the hell he was talking about there? No clue. How the hell are the voters? I mean, there's probably only like five voters left who haven't made up their mind, right? They got assaulted uh, the first round. They got assaulted this round by every huckleberry in the country coming out for either candidate. You would think there's probably like five people left who haven't made up their mind, and they're probably spending $5 million on each side to convince the five to go with them. And they're just arguing, which guy do I like better? The guy who's talking about chopping off snake heads or the guy talking about vampires and werewolves? <laughs> Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pamela in Central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Frank Morano syndicated show across America. Well, I'll go with the vampire guy because in that movie, the young man was using holy water, but the vampire laughed at him because he said, you don't have real faith. So the holy water isn't working. So Herschel Walker was using that as an example that we have to have faith. I'm surprised people don't understand that. And it was a very good movie, by the way. It had uh, the uh, the woman from uh, Married with Children. Um, uh, and uh, you mean the one, uh, not the one who's married to Robert F. Kennedy, Mr. Anti-Vax. You're not talking about her, are you? No, the um, 
the one with the uh, Bundy, the Bundys. Oh, the Bundys. Uh, the, the okay. Neighbor. The oh, neighbor. okay. My my mistake. I'm sorry. I I was off on a tangent there. Off on a tangent. I couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong, Pam. You are you you got me back on track. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it was all a story about faith. Faith. It was an example. I I don't understand why. You know. I don't get it. You know, I guess people, you know, you I'm, 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 I'm having a difficult time with it. I really am. You know, uh, all this spirituality, uh, if it was up to me, you're involved with religion, right? You're a nun or a priest, a rabbi, a minister, whatever. You have no place in politics. How the hell can you be dealing in hell without an asbestos suit running for office when you're supposed to be a man or a woman of God? Yeah, 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 yeah. Gave you pause for thought. Got to tell you, one time I was outside of Chicago. There's this huge megachurch, half the size of Madison Square Garden. And they had me talking to the Holy Rollers. Jesus! No, I don't do that. The minister there has since been defracked for being a perv. But then again, I like the guy was asking me to instruct folks, very in, very motivated but very naive about the streets, how to go into the projects of Chicago, Rockwell Gardens, Ida B. Wells, at that time, Cabrini Green. <sighs> Try to spread the message of God. Yeah, I said, you have to do it very carefully. Very carefully. 1-800-848-9222. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Let's go, Brandon. I keep the drum like I'm There's another classic dance hit across the nation. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon, right? Even a lot of Democrats, they say, wow, that's a catchy tune. They'll be toe-tapping. You know, all of a sudden, they get up, start dancing. Don't let nobody see me, though. And I might get uh, exiled out of the Democratic Party. You know if Barack Obama was sitting there with Michelle, he'd be toe-tapping. Although that's a black man who can't dance. I don't know what happened to him. Remember? At his inauguration, he went from party to party. The guy had, like, Trump had more rhythm than Barack Obama. 
Speaking of Donald Trump, oh, I can't wait to hear my colleagues all day talk about this, especially Sid Rosenberg. Day number one of Sid Rosenberg and Friends. Big front, full page ad in the New York Post. Trump calls for suspending the Constitution over the 2020 election results. Now, you know, Sid's been vacillating, been vacillating, but he's still with Trump. How the hell are you going to be with Trump after this, right? I mean, first it was what? Oh, uh, the sanctimonious. Okay. People gave him a pass. Then it was like, uh, guess who's coming for lunch? Kanye, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Yo-Ye, whatever his name is today. And little Nazi boy Fuentes and uh, Sid's friend there, Milo. Remember Milo? He was gay when he was Sid's friend. Really was snacking on Sid. He loved him in that Joseph Abood suit, really. Now all of a sudden he claims he's straight. I bet you if he comes up for an interview, if Sid invites him, because that would be one of Sid's friends. I mean, him and Bernard uh, actually went to the marriage at that time uh, when uh, Milo Yiannopoulos was marrying a black guy. And then all of a sudden, uh, Milo met uh, Jacoby and the black guy met Myers and they went their separate ways. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe he's straight. I want to know why Sid doesn't have his... Good old friend, for old time's sake, Milo Yiannopoulos on. He can leave uh, Nazi boy at home, uh, Fuentes. And Kanye, you know, coming in with that ski mask, you know, with... Man, what the hell was that? Meantime, Trump had him for lunch. Okay, that's strike two. Now, I'd like to see Sid explain this. Trump calls for suspending the Constitution over... The 2020 election, and it's his own social networking site, not Twitter. Remember, he's been permitted to come back on Twitter. He said later for that, but on his truth social post. Uh, let's see, Sid, Sid, hmm. I don't know if he's going to be able to stay on the good ship SS Trump on that one. Brian, who follows, right? Oh, he's already been told by Murdoch, you're off the good ship to S.S. Trump. They're all off, right? Then you got uh, O'Reilly. You know, he'll vacillate. You got me. I was a never-Trumper rhino before they even invented the term. Then you have Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly will say, if Donald Trump were outside of Trump Tower with a gun and blew somebody away, I'd say I didn't see anything. Then Rudy Giuliani, he would take a bullet for Trump, so he'll excuse his behavior. And then James Golden, he may have a little problem with this. The guy I want to hear from is the constitutional scholar Mark Levitt. Hey, Mark, how the hell are you going to justify this? Trump calls for suspending the Constitution over the 2020 election results You can read it for yourself. It's his own post-up on Truth Social. Woo! Out with the old, in with the new. Hey, Joe, to your basement in Delaware, gone. Trump, down in Mar-a-Lago, gone. Let's go, if we can, to, uh, what is this, Tommy 2X in Brooklyn? Tommy, not 1X, Tommy X. It's Tommy 2X. 
I saw me two times, Curtis. I hope you have a better day. I got a couple of things I'd like to say about, uh, well, I got one thing on Sid for you. It's a good thing, though. And uh, your boy, um, Adams, he's calling him the hip-hop mayor? Yep, yep. We're going to call him uh, the, 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 the mayor with no facts. Um, how did I call it? I missed it. Up. Sorry, Curtis. No, no, no. It's okay. The, uh, look, 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 look. Yeah, yeah. All right. Tommy, so, Tommy, Tommy. Tommy. I, yes, sir. Tommy Two X. You gotta, you gotta get back on your meds, Tommy Two X. This way, you, you, you'll hit your marks. Yeah. Do you know Danny Aiello was the guy I was trying to tell yesterday? I couldn't, I couldn't get it on. The uh, he was the only one that I know that went to um, Monroe in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He also got a uh, mob scholarship. To go to method acting school, I'm going to have to convince Sid, now that he's a TV star and they're going to have the movie coming out. Man, that movie, man. I, those guys were killers. I grew up with those guys. The Tester Brothers, man, Anthony Centaur, crazy Chris Rosenberg. He didn't want to play the part of the Jew. No, I'm playing yeah, an yeah. Italian guy. What's wrong with Sid? Well, he's, he's, he wants to act. You know, if he was playing a Jewish guy, he's not acting. If he's playing an Italian guy, he's acting, right? Well, uh, you make so a very good still. point. You make a very good point on that. But Danny Aiello, who was not very good at first. In fact, he was in a championship season in Pennsylvania. My sister, Alita, was directing him, and he acknowledged he sucked as an actor. And then all of a sudden, he got a mob scholarship. Uh, which meant that he had to show up at Jacob Javits Center to unload trucks, and all he had to do was sit there in a lawn chair and read the Daily News every day, a no-show job. And he said, you know, Curtis, I used to wear patent leather shoes to the job because I never had to do anything there. And then in the afternoon, I went for my method acting classes, you know, from Hyman Roth, the great uh, thespian, and all of a sudden, I got this piano wire. I'm choking this guy! And you take from Mike! Also, your guy, Avery, you're teaching him great, man. That was a great segment. I liked him coming back on with you. Oh, we had so much fun at Frank Morano's expense. I mean, we yeah. take we take what Frank says all week long, and then we cut it up Sunday morning, and people laugh so hysterically. And I, and you know what Frank says? He goes, "Are you laughing with me or at me?" Yeah, I'm going to tell him, Adam. Do you believe oh, that the no facts, the no facts rapper, the no facts rapper? He's not a hip hop man. He's a no facts rapper mayor. Let me take you back, Tommy, uh, 2X. There was a mayor long before Eric Adams was anointed the hip-hop mayor. By the way, if you want to be a hip-hop mayor, that's a problem. Tommy, right? Tommy Hearns, right? Tommy Hearns, great fight, although Sugar Ray took him out, right? Tommy Hearns. He was uh, training at the Cronk Gym, southwest Detroit, in the shadow of the old Tiger Stadium. Love that stadium, man. It was a little bandbox. Remember Reggie? All-star game? Almost hit the light stanchion, almost hit it out of the park. Who was pitching to him? Who acknowledged that he was on LSD at the time? Right? right think about that. Ah, you see, strain your brain. And Curtis Lee was super supposed spectacular. But I digress. So growing up in Detroit, where I spent a lot of time organizing Guardian Angels, that was a heavy lift. There was a congresswoman named Kirkpatrick. She loved the guardian angel. She loved me. 
Yeah, I want you to introduce you to my son here. He's going to be the next mayor of Detroit. I said, oh, that's that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Kwame. Kwame. Kwame, just like Eric Adams, had that little diamond in his ear, you know, his little earring, which I hate. $5,000 suits, you know, not off the rack, not from Joseph Aboud. I mean, from the tailor who used to make... uh, the suits for Pablo Escobar of the Medellin cartel. They used to fly him in and out. I say, he's going to be the next mayor. This guy's a thug. He's a crook. No, that's my son. He's just young. You know, he needs a little maturation. Meantime, the guy was skimming money from the sludge barges going up and down the Detroit River. He wanted a piece of the action on human sludge. Ended up giving him 20 years in Fort Worth, fed. And then all of a sudden, you know, gave him a a pardon? Donald Trump. I don't know where that guy is now, who he's ripping off or who he's shaking down. But, man, he he didn't like me and I didn't like him because I recognized that he was running a shakedown as the mayor of the city. Of Detroit. Before him, it was David Bing. Remember Dave Bing? Detroit Pistons. Great, great ball player. I think he came out of Syracuse University. Nice guy. Not a crook in Detroit. Lived in a loft right downtown near Greek Town where they built the casinos where they had the uh, mugger mover that was put up by Coleman Young, King Coleman Young, who put me in jail for 10 days, Detroit House of Correction, as I told you two hours ago, in which cell? The cell they had there for Jesse James when he held up a bank. I felt, oh, this is so good. The only white guy in the jail there, right? All the screws were black. All the inmates were black. They couldn't wait to get a piece of me. I'm saying, but you know who's selling me? Jesse James. Uh, uh, Big big guy. For a white guy, it's important. Man, that was crazy. So, hey, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Now back as the soccer man with no plan. You know damn well he got wine dined in pocket line while he was over there in uh, Qatar. He couldn't even find that on a map before he went over there. But he's back, and you know what Sid Rosenberg's going to be doing, sitting down, trying to figure, hey, Rudy, Rudy, you got to sit down with him December 14th. All night long we were at the Marriott on Friday night. For the annual dinner for the Tunnel to Tower Foundation, great cause, honoring uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis, our owner and operators of our parent company, Red Apple Media, and it was Margot's birthday. And all of a sudden, Rudy's trying to—he's trying to have a little bit of his salad, right? And in one in one ear, it's uh, it's Sid Rosenberg giving him a cauliflower ear in his left ear, and in the other ear, it's Curtis Lee giving him a cauliflower ear in his right ear. And Sid is going, do it. And I'm saying, don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. I'm going to win this one. Because this is what I've determined it's got to be. I will compromise on being stubbornly opposed to Rudy sitting down with Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. If Eric Adams will come on. With Sid, because now, you know, they're best of pals, they're buds. My pal comes on and apologizes, apologizes to Rudy on the 50,000 pound for Watts of Sound, the number one news talk program 
on the number one news talk station, the Sid Rosenberg and Friends Show, and apologizes to Rudy for calling him a racist. Me, you can forget about me. He called me a racist, a misogynist, a sexist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, and every other phobe in the match. I'll, I'll forget that. It's about Rudy. And then, if he does that, I'll bless this sit-down. Uh, he can do the shit out. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ralph in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard, Ralph. Well, that apology is not coming, and I tell you about, uh, you know, the election in Georgia. It is a gun conclusion right time now. Out, time out, Ralph. That's- time out, Ralph. What the hell are you talking about, Ralph? What well, about the apology that you're asking, you know, hip-hop and boogaloo man? So to me, to, to L- do hold, it, hold uh, on, it. time out, time out. Hip-hop, boogaloo man, that's all I could decipher. What country are you from, pal? Huh? Ralph, no, what uh, country? Uh, no, uh, um, Never mind. Uh, you know, let's move on to the No, 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 Ralph. We don't move anywhere until I want to uh, know what country <laughs> you're from. Well, goodbye. <laughs> what country are you from, Ralph? You're in my country. What country are you from? He hung up. See how he tried to slip me a Mickey? I just slipped me a man. He comes in there and talk. I can barely make it out. Boogaloo, man. What the hell is he talking about? I was going to help him out. It was going to suggest uh, English as a fourth language for him. Let me see. We think he speaks Urdu, Pakistani, maybe Hindi, India. You think maybe, I don't know. I think Suriname. French Guiana, uh, nah, I don't think so. Guy wouldn't fess up. Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, I, I think I'm close. My divining rod is on it. He wouldn't fess up. Be proud of what country you're from, your country of origin. You notice when they don't tell you what country they're from, they got something to hide, right? Right, you ask somebody, well, what country are you from, pal? Oh, TNT, I'm from Trinidad. Oh, he's proud of that, proud of that. What country are you from, pal? I'm not going to say. Oh, something wrong here. A little technology going on. Well, is English your fourth language? And then they say, no, actually, it's my sixth language. I can tell by the way you're talking. 1-800-848-9222. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Georgia Bulldog fight song. 
Man, they're on a roll, 13-0, and they're on their way to an NCAA championship. No doubt about it. I know Michigan is undefeated. That ain't going to last. You see Georgia, man? They, like, snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. You know, too bad they didn't have Herschel come on for a cameo appearance of his Heisman Trophy year. I think that was 1980, and I think they won the championship in 82. You know, just for old time's sake, go ahead. Get in the backfield, Herschel. Right at goal line stand, right? Let Herschel go and touchdown, Bulldogs. He would have won the election. He would have won the election. Now I don't know. It's a toss-up. It really is a toss-up. Let's go to Steve, who's calling from uh, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hey, Curtis. I called the Buster Chops a little bit. I told the call screener. Number one, you brag about you're going to take the other host's real estate. Brucey did a best of the other night. I noticed you weren't. I didn't hear your voice at all, number one. Number two, you're making fun of Walker and Warnock, but let me tell you something. One of those guys is going to get elected U.S. senator. You couldn't get more than 6% of the vote in New York City. And, and all you needed was another 11%, and you would have beat Adams, and you'd be the mayor. Number three, I don't know what Mark Levin's going to say about the, Trump's comment, but do you realize what Trump's pointing out is they went outside the Constitution in those five states, you know, where it took days to count the votes after the 2020 election. They went outside the Constitution, counted votes in violation of state law under the federal Constitution. Do you get what – I don't think you understand what Trump's talking about. But go ahead. Go so, ahead and tell let me, me Let me understand this. Trump calls for suspending the Constitution over the 2020 election, and you agree with that? I don't say I agree with it. Do you understand they suspended the Constitution in the way they did the, or with the vote, uh, the vote by mail? Do you understand that? That's what he's talking about. No, I, 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 to be honest with you, I don't understand Donald Trump. I really don't. Uh, yeah, it's time okay. for him to go. It's time for Joe Biden to go out with the old, in with the new. This is nonsense. Suspend the Constitution. I respect you for that, okay? that That's your opinion. I respect you for that. Now, can you do me a favor that you're on the line, Steve? Could you, you could you tell me, I'm going to play you another cut of Herschel Walker. Explain this to me, because he starts off, it's pretty good, but then I don't know where he goes. You seem to have a better feel for this than I do. Cain, Kia, Abel, you know, and, uh, you know, and that's the problem that we have. And I said, what we need to do is look into how we can stop those things. You know, he talked about doing a disinformation. What about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at uh, women that's looking at uh, just social media? What about doing that, looking into things like that, and we can stop that that way? But yet they want to just continue to talk about taking away your constitutional rights. What the hell is he talking about, Steve? I, it seems to me the best I can understand it, because right, I didn't get the full context. He's talking about you know, they, they're, keep the, the social media, you would agree, is polluting the culture. You would agree? All right. What so, the hell did I, Cain I, and Abel have to do with that? <laughs> Look, I just would have said the, the social media, just like I said it to you, okay? So I, I don't know. But you know what? When you've been on a camp, you, I, I'll give you credit for this. You were on a campaign trail for a while. Didn't you start to wander off after a while? All right, I wandered off from day one. What are you talking about? I always <laughs> wander off. I feed the pigeons. People are like, 
You're supposed to be running for mayor. Why are you feeding the pigeons, Curtis? I, I said, because I'm more comfortable talking to pigeons than some of these stunards out here. Well, well, look, look, let me add this to you, because a year ago I called and I said, maybe if you had a better message. But you know what? Here's your problem in New York, right? Uh, uh, you got you know, well, well, Steve, you know what my problem is in New York? My complexion is not my protection. Let's be honest about that. Yep, yep. I, That's my I problem, agree. my complexion. You got Curtis, you got a bunch of stoners walk around. They're content to walk around stone. They they like they they don't mind this government because they get free stuff and the, they want the police to leave them alone. See, so you didn't have the right you didn't have in addition to your complexion, you weren't telling them what they wanted to hear. Was yeah, you're right water. because I was advocating giving them wooden shampoos. And then they take the nightsticks away from the cops. How are the cops going to give them a wooden shampoo if they don't have the nightsticks anymore? They don't want they, Curtis. They think they see the cops as the enemy, and that's the sad. These are the people that are left in New York. The good ones have fled. You understand, right? So your message was never going to resonate. That's not your fault. Right? That's that, that's a reflection. Let me tell you something, Steve. Let me tell you something, Steve. Three days before the election, I'm running across 6th Avenue because I bought an hour to tell the real story about Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, his friendship with Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam. I'm right outside Radio City Music Hall, and I get clipped by a yellow cab. I fly in the air. I come down <laughs> land, and as I'm coming down, I see... Driving is Bill de Blasio, and in the back of the yellow cab is Eric Adams with a big, dumb smile on his face. (laughs) I then scrape myself up. I run to WABC because I know what our management is going to do. They're going to say, sorry, no refunds, no rebates. You're not here by 12. On with the show. So I'm given the whole story about Eric Adams' involvement with Screwy Louis Farrakhan in the 90s. And we had three guys in there, right? Live show. And they all walk out and say, we got to go to lunch. And we were off the air for the first five minutes. Meantime, my arm is killing me. It's the size of a whale. It's throbbing. And I'm like, no, Curtis, don't get upset. Don't kill anybody here because they will hold this against you that you have a serious anger management situation, which I do, but I sucked it up, and then they transported me to the hospital, right? And then they're standing outside, and they're looking at the video. They see the the vehicle hits me, and he goes, yeah, he's a good stuntman. A freaking good stuntman. It broke my elbow. (laughs) What do you think? This is Smokey and the Bandit with Burt Reynolds? I do remember all that. I remember when you exposed he was living in Fort Lee. Look, I was li- yes. look, man. Yes. I, I know. I know you tried real hard. The, the people just they don't. They want. They want to hear whatever Adams is telling them. They want. That's what they want. Believe it or not. Can uh, you believe let it? me tell you something, Steve. I was very, very insulted at the fact that. My friends here at WABC, my home away from home, my familia, said Rosenberg and Company. You know that Mark Simone over at WOR, Women's Only Radios, was praising me and saying Curtis Lewis should be mayor of the city of New York, and yet some of my colleagues were, oh, I don't know, maybe, possibly, could be, who knows? 
He was a cop, 22 years, you know. Meantime, he's a house mouse. And look at Sid Rosenberg now. He's swapping spit with the guy. <laughs> no. They might as well be lovers, Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, Curtis. That's a stab in the back to you. I do agree with that. You know, I mean, look, they, I, I understand ABC had to be careful that they weren't over promoting you. But then again, Eric, they could have given Eric Adams equal time as well. Uh, Greg Kelly did. Greg Ke- Wait a second. Here's the theme song, the new theme song for Sid Rosenberg. It is the debut today, brand new show, Sid Rosenberg and Friends. And I would add on, and one foe, me. And here it is, the theme song of this newfound love affair between Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan, and Sid Rosenberg. And it's like Ebony and Ivory. Oh, isn't it so nice? Doesn't doesn't this warm the coddles of your heart, Steve, right? I mean, I mean, Stevie Wonder there, right? And, and McCartney, who I hate. I mean, this is this is like their theme song. Yeah. I, I, and you know, you should have been there at the Marriott Ballroom. There, we were sitting right up there at the main table. Poor Rudy Giuliani is just trying to have unzalad, right? Little piece of Italian bread. I'm giving him cauliflower ear in one ear, sit in the other ear. Go for the meeting. I'm saying, don't do it, Rudy. Do it. Sid is telling him. The poor guy. He was, like, going back and forth. By the way, I hate that song. I, I hated it then, and I hate it double now. Why was it that my biggest supporter was at that other station, Women's Only Radio, Mark Simone? People who I've worked with, well, maybe, I don't know. Don't mention his name. Can't, I can't mention Curtis's name. Why not? I'm running for mayor. Shush, shush. People want to know why all of a sudden the cat got their tongue. Oh, my God, I can't go home now. I said it. How am I going to explain it to Nancy and the 18 rescue cats right now that are staring at the terrestrial radio going, what did he say? Cat got his tongue? Well, you know, I slipped from time to time. Let's go to Henry in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Henry. Uh, Nice to talk to you, Curtis. Uh, I think Trump's uh, statement about the Constitution suspending it is part of his exit strategy. He knows he's cooked in the the court system, and he's got to find a way to uh, be ready to go to jail when the time comes. Well, that's well thought out. I had never even factored that in, that all of a sudden he has decided on his own social platform, Truth Social, so we can't blame anybody else or a second or a third party for sending it out, that he wants to suspend the Constitution over the 2020 election results, that this is a way to segue out. Wow. Absolutely. I never thought of that. But we'll see if it happens. If it doesn't happen. Well, look, look, let's face it, Henry, at the rate he's going, uh, it's going to happen. And I'm more interested in knowing. That's why I'm going to be listening intently from 6 to 10. Of course, I have to listen to the 5 o'clock news hour with Deb. 
But I'm going to be listening intently to the number one ratings guy here at WABC, Sid Rosenberg. What his new position is going to be on Donald Trump after this statement? Because notice, it says, Sid Rosenberg and friends, all of his friends have jumped ship. They've all left the SS Donald Trump. Look, in, in order, Congressman Peter King, jump ship. Uh, Bo Dito, jump ship. Uh, just last week, right? The big macha himself, Dove Hyken, jump ship. And just remember, there was that quiet day, four blocks in Memphis from uh, Elvis's mansion where uh, Roger Stone was in an SUV ready to go do the Pillow Man's TV show. And an 18-wheel tractor trailer T-boned him with his security and his driver and never stopped. They still haven't caught the guy. First call that Roger Stone uh, made was naturally to Donald Trump in Mar-a-Lago. Nobody has been more loyal other than Rudy to Donald Trump. Roger Stone, going way back, always encouraged him to run for president. Roger Stone knows where all the bones are buried, who buried them. And he said, the war is on. It's DeSantis. It's DeSantis. And you know where DeSantis's grandparents are from? The same Italian town as Rudy's grandparents, huh? Yeah, you see, DeSantis, a lot of people, DeSantis, what are you talking about? He, he's a paisan, eh? You know, this is like uh, Godfather. He's like Salazzo. You know, he's sitting down. He's saying, hey, we got to get rid of this guy, the Godfather Trump. Come on. Just like Salazzo, like a cheech, like a zip. And all of you, oh, DeSantis, we love DeSantis. Yeah, yeah. He said the same thing about Donald Trump four years ago. Me, you castigate. Oh, you're an Evan Trumper. You're a wino. Yeah, before 2016, I was. And still am. And now everybody's swimming over to stay off my boat because you're going to capsize it. What is Sid going to do? You imagine now? It's like yeah, he's got to be like uh, Mario Facha Bruta Como, King Como the first, vacillating it. You know, Hamlet on the Hudson. Uh, do I like Trump? Do I not like Trump? Do I like Trump? Because Trump calls for suspending the Constitution over the 2020 election. You can't just ignore this. And what's our constitutional scholar going to say? Hey, Mark Levin at night, six to nine. Half of his show is about the U.S. Constitution. Hey, Mark, is he going to suspend you too? Well, I noticed that Mark Levin has been saying incredibly more nice things about DeSantis, not calling him de-sanctimonious, I might add. What a quandary for everybody here except for Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is the guy who said, Donald Trump, yeah, I see him out there on Fifth Avenue in front of Trump Tower. He just shot somebody 28 times. Uh, I didn't see anything. He probably deserved it. Right? Greg Kelly. No. Hey, yeah, suspend the Constitution. If Trump says that, suspend it. Wow, there's going to be an internal struggle here at WABC over this. I guarantee you. That's why you got to listen all day long. I know you'll be stung, God. You got to listen morning, noon, and night. Meantime, I got to figure out where this deadbeat, this slacker, this Nordwell Frank Morano is. Nobody knows. Where is he? 
I ask you guys, the cool guys, right? Oh, oh Matt Blaze, I, I don't know. Uh, Kent, I don't know. His brown nose producer, Alex, with his schnoz right up his tuchus, right? He probably has Frank Morano embedded in his teeth. I don't know. I don't know where he is. So if he doesn't show up, you know who's going to be here? Yours truly. And I'm going to eat up his real estate. Wow. Trump calls for suspending the Constitution over the 2020 election results. And Elon Musk says, they're out to assassinate me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard Hughes. Didn't we see this before with Howard Hughes, right? Wasn't he eccentric? Wasn't he a ladies' man chasing Trump? Yes. Then all of a sudden, he was in a hotel room in Vegas in which he would peer outside once a day. And all of a sudden, they would be bringing ice cream up in a gurney, and he'd be sending down his urine in milk bottles with long nails and long hair, looking like a troll. That's what's going to become of Elon Musk. We've seen this story before, haven't we? Anyway, let me finish on this note. Frank Morano, wherever you are, where the hell is Frank Morano? Hey, Joe Biden, you need to be on the outside looking in. Donald Trump, you need to be on the outside looking in. Out with the old, time to get in with the news.